everybody. Can chat hear us? Uh, can we check our volumes? Hello, Everyone, hello. let's all hello. talk at once to check our volume. Talk at once. I it's think that would be really obnoxious. Oh, 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 yes. So we're good. Great people love like it. Like a normal recording now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, here we are. I mean, we're just going to kind of uh, banter a bit. Live, you're all going to get the banter pre one of our normal recordings. That's kind of how, <laughs> that's how it goes. Yeah, but we're still going to be on our best behavior, right? No. When were we ever on our best behavior? After parties or anything goes. I was setting the bar low. <laughs> I mean, our worst behavior is where the best Patreon bloopers come from. Oh, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> now i will say when it, when it comes to patreon bloopers i definitely get rid of most of me being funny because otherwise it would be 90 percent of okay. me being hilarious on the bloopers okay so i try to just balance it out between the five of us we've talked about this before you 100 percent leave the comments you think you made that are funny in <laughs> when you might cut some of ours it's happened. It's that happened. may or may not be true. That may or may not be true. <laughs> I'm 75% more funny than comes across on the podcast, thanks to Leland. That's a very uh, specific you're number. S- selling yourself long there, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> we also thought that we would give you a live synchronize, synchronizing clap. Yes. yes. The Which, last clap. Uh, the, last, uh, the last, the last clap. clap. <laughs> oh man. Oh, the clap. It's been a while since we hung out. Like my face is kind of already hurting yeah, from smiling. Yeah. Come on, John. Count us down. Are we ready to do it? Let's do it. Right. Well. Oh, we're doing this thing. All right. All right. We'll do it just like we're doing a regular recording. Okay, everybody, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. All right. <laughs> All right. There we go. Count her down. Three, two, one. Oh, 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 no. I don't know. <laughs> Seem fine for me. That's because you're on I, the I, West Coast. Now that people can. witnessed it. <laughs> uh, the pressure was on. I think we need to redo that. No, 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 no. It's the clap heard <laughs> we- uh, coast to coast. Yeah. <laughs> Start us off, John. The clap heard, heard around the world. All right, here we go. AP 59. Almost made 60. Very close. Pretty close. The, f- the finale of Aspara. So we're going to talk about episode zero through two oh seven. Best three episodes ever. You're not going to list them. Best episodes. Yet. Yeah, we're going to go through the titles. Oh, give me a second. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so let's start with zero. Anybody had anything uh, with character creation? <laughs> yeah, let's about? let's recap. <laughs> well, I started with a different character, so it's kind of a touchy <laughs> subject. So for. Like for for the podcast, we're obviously live right now. Um, this is going to go back onto the podcast RSS feed in uh, probably a couple of weeks. It's going to come after um, the Forgotten Hive is finished. So, if you know you're listening to the podcast version, you hear us kind of mention questions from chat, et cetera, et cetera. That's obviously where where they're coming from. Uh, otherwise, we're going to try to make it uh, an enjoyable experience for both the uh, eyeballers that are looking at us right now and the uh, ear holders that'll be listening to us later. <laughs> And the YouTubers. <laughs> and the YouTubers. This will, be more, this will be more interesting than just our logo with the uh, audio. <laughs> yeah, well, it's debatable. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 Why don't we start off with 
the kind of the last handful of episodes. Uh, I think there was maybe six or seven that after after party fifty eight. You know what I mean? Since like we talked about last. How does the campaign finale sit with everybody? Why don't we start with Bill? Oh boy! Oh man, pressure's on Bill. Don't flub <laughs> this. What, what happened? Everybody's again? watching. <laughs> I was pretty happy with it, really. I didn't get the killing blow, which was perhaps my biggest complaint. Well, you're not the one that took him to with like inches of his life to have somebody come after you and finish him off, like. A feather fall would have killed him after what I did. Emily, this is my section right now to talk about how I <laughs> yes. enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, actually, feather so. fall uh, reduces falling damage completely. Uh, yeah, that's true. So, yeah. <laughs> a feather fall of damage. Well, that's zero. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that didn't translate to podcast. I pushed my glasses up like a nerd. Please continue, Bill. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. John. Who's dying? You're welcome. Uh, I mean, let Bill talk for once, chat saying. <laughs> this is normal. This gets cut out. So this mm-hmm, is usually. this is my life. You're getting a peek behind the curtains. Yeah, no, I, I I thought it was like impactful and climactic and like intense. I think all of us got like a relatively good uh, closure to our character's story. Like I'm happy with what Falzern's doing now, and I mean, Heracleon's partly destroyed, but he'll help rebuild. His house is, his house is fine, so that's, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> well, you could upgrade. You could take over somebody else's house and, and have a nicer that's place. It's true. true. It was already said on, on the epilogue, right? You'll help rebuild, but you won't uh, govern. Yeah, I don't think politics is, is Falzern's, Falzern's thing. Everybody voted against you, though. I imagine you could filibuster for days, though. It, <laughs> Who it was decided by the people. We just left that part out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's Falzern right. decided that he didn't want to uh, be in, in the place of power, and, and it helped that everyone voted against him <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, it really helped. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was a group decision that really yes. helped Falzern come to that final conclusion. <laughs> He's glad that his, his uh, vision for her Heracleon lines up with the vision of the people of Heracleon as well. <laughs> like a true leader's would. Like exactly. a true leader's exactly. would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I thought it was a really good ending to the story. It was, like I said, sufficiently intense. Um, I I thought for sure at least one of us was going to die. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how we managed that. but uh, I was kind of hoping you would die. <laughs> So that you'd have to go through just the experience of losing a character in your first campaign. Your your first character death's gonna sting, bro. Mia took out an insurance policy on Falzern the day she met him. <laughs> <laughs> just a matter of time. He's never had a character die. One shot, any other campaign, like Wait, just say really? Yeah. Oh yeah, you're I haven't. That's crazy. Bill's winning D D. I am winning D and D. They said it couldn't be done. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure, as far as uh, one shot character deaths go, that it's only been one of Emily's characters that have died in one of our one shots, and that was most recently in uh, the um, Lost uh, oh. Hideaway, of, <laughs> yeah. uh, Archmage's Lost Hideaway, where her character fell off of the pillar yeah. <laughs> yeah, into yeah. the squishy ground <laughs> when we were trying yeah. to get the crystal. Well, Chad thing. is commending yeah. Bill and saying that Bill's good at the game, so. 
I don't know. <laughs> Does not dying qualify as good at D&D? He's a cockroach, so he's just lucky. Yeah, when your war cry is is blink, that comes with an uh, inherent survivability. Yeah, a distinct advantage. <laughs> Correct. It's tactical. And it's smart. It's smart gameplay. Come on. Elena, what's what was your opinion of, of the finale and how everything kind of rolled out? Wow, I should have been thinking about my own answer here. Yeah, see, you know, being the person that kind of leads it, leads the prompts the questions, I get to go last. So it's just really beneficial for me. So you're just like, uh, yeah, what they said. (laughs) I did not. Man, a lot happened. I did not see it going like that. I did not see the whole. Maybe I'm unobservant. I didn't see the whole Isabella love story thing like happening. Did that felt like it came out of nowhere? But maybe there was opportunity for us to like. What do you have mean, love learned? story? Like that she like why she wanted the eyes of Dendar. Like what her whole plan was. Oh, freeing Kalar. Yeah. Like maybe I'm unobservant and didn't know that. But no, it sort of came to light. There were seeds planted with the book uh, that Falzarin and Shaft found, and the. Kalar and Isabella's names were together. There, there's seeds planted. That was, was a big leap to, to jump to that. Yeah, all I'm saying is I, I, I didn't see that coming or like that felt new to me and part of the ending that I wasn't anticipating. Agreed. Yeah, same here. Hmm. So it wasn't a surprise to me. I also didn't anticipate that fight to be happening so soon. I think it makes sense that it may not have been as surprising to Emily slash Shakara. Uh, just based on obviously Shigar has had the most in-depth conversations with Isabel. And I think of your characters together, really Shakara is in the position to kind of make a, I don't know. I don't know if judgment is the correct word, but like come to a conclusion about Isabella's intentions and kind of her character. And you're right though, Elena, like there, there weren't real, there wasn't anything, there wasn't any (laughs) sprinkled, this one time, you're right, Elena. There wasn't anything Thank like you said, what, sprinkled did I in. Hear you? Did you say that again? <laughs> Leland, what have there you done? <laughs> there wasn't much, there wasn't like hints or really that were were sprinkled around. I think as we get further into our conversation here, just the way the events unfolded of the campaign, a lot of things just kind of got circumvented or um, just either completely missed or discovered in kind of a roundabout way. So connections like that and kind of intentions like that are just the route that the party took throughout Aspara, the Aspiring campaign kind of made it so it came out of out of nowhere. There were just there's just, you know, certain areas where maybe you just didn't go to or, or people you didn't speak to that or things you didn't uncover that may have hinted more at something like that or, or more at Isabella's intentions. I mean, obviously the whole time she's telling at least she's telling Shakara, I want the eyes because we're gonna bring Dendar back. And now, you know, Isabella is telling that to Shakara and Jessica. I mean, Jessica was just as, as surprised as the rest of you, right, uh, of Isabella's actual intentions with it. But obviously Isabella is the type of person that's going to tell you what she thinks you want to hear to motivate you to what she wants done kind of thing, right? So, it, yeah, there wasn't anything that you missed as a player, if that's what you're getting at. Yeah, so, like, when it comes to the ending, I just didn't – that felt interesting, and I didn't – know or anticipate that being part of the the ending and story didn't anticipate see now i was starting to interpret it as um cultist sacrificing himself selflessly but everyone else corrected me and was like he didn't know he was gonna die so i was like okay fine 
<laughs> I didn't uh, I didn't have a question in my mind as Elena and I think Mia as well um, thought Shakara would stay on our side. I wasn't actually worried that Shakara would turn against us. Which is surprising. I, I, there's always the possibility, but my like my bets were on her sticking with her. That is surprising. What she said, "Yeah, I, I think the way she was, the way you were in the fight, it just like felt like you were on our side. So I didn't question it. I don't know. Right. So Emily, was there like a point that you can recall where you made a decision, or or you know in your RP that Shakara made a decision one way or the other, or was it more just kind of how things unfolded? It felt right for Shakara as things were happening, or, or what? In my mind, in Shakara's mind, it was back and forth of whether or not she was going to help Isabella. And obviously, it did not want to bring Dendar back, but when she was saying she wanted to bring Kalar back, and I was like, maybe we can do that. Maybe we can help her get Kalar out. But then I was like, well... We don't know this Kalar guy. Do we really want him free? The stories we had, he sacrificed himself in order to lock away Dendar and Father Lemmick. So does that mean he's a good guy? But then looking at Isabella. Yeah. And just a slight correction on those stories. Like, until the end, nothing was said about Kalar. There was no attempts from anybody to uncover anything about Kalar. What was told to the party from the outset that a member of the cultist family wearing the armor closed it. So really, it can't be. It was late game where we realized that Kalar was also sealed away in the same place with Dendar and Father Limic. So there was a huge question mark, like you're saying, Emily. Huge question mark around Kalar in, in general. Right. Yeah. So I guess there was a lot of assumptions made on my part when Shakara saw him locked up with them. But I still, like, it wasn't until that final fight that I was like, okay, yeah, no, we're we're not bringing anybody back. It's best they all stay locked away. <laughs> but it was, it was, I mean, I, I did consider it. Um, what would happen if I, if I helped Isabella? If you did, I would have attacked you, but you didn't help her, so I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, trust you until you give me a reason not to, I guess. Obviously, that uh, that end fight could have been a lot worse had Dendar and Father Limic actually got out of mm. the portal, right? Like it would have taken a whole different turn because you have to, you know, if Dendar and Limic made it out, like obviously Kalar is making out, making it out. So then, whose side is Kalar going to be on? Then what side does the party decide to be on, right? When these two monstrosity and, and uh like god level entities are are out and you have to presume fighting right mm -hmm. in some capacity as you saw them as they were they were still nipping and slicing and clawing at each other as they're just trying to get out of the 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 prison the icy prison right so that like things could have turned out way worse vastly different so kind of going back to like feeling like for sure you thought someone was going to die Things could have been a lot worse, but you as a party did very well mitigating a number of those factors um, through crowd control, like the, the you know, the walls of force, uh, et cetera, et cetera, right? Channeling divinity of Thor. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so. Blink. So I <laughs> <Yeah>. hope. <laughs> totally crowd so control, I, right? 
So I hope you as a party, I hope it felt like you as players were rewarded for your good play kind of in that that end fight because there was a lot of a lot of good decisions I think that that were made. Like even just back Women's to skull. <laughs> Well, yeah, that that yeah, well, yeah. That was turn on dead was a great on Numb and Skull just sending them running. <laughs> <laughs> Run for the hills. <laughs> Turn Undead is great. And it helps that I had been playing my cleric in Baldur's Gate 3 before this fight came up. And just sort of like, <laughs> yeah. Remember that you have Turn Undead. Yeah, remembering <laughs> what I've got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the chat is asking, does this mean that in 500 years, Mia will be trying to free her love Samuel with, Sammy's with another party? dead. Well, Sam- I thought he was so dead. dead. I thought he died too. He's not like he, trapped. Well, no, because... Uh, Leland just said Dendar and Father Lemmick are free inside this other plane where Sammy is running around free. There's no way he's making it more than two seconds. Also, I would like to clarify that Mia has never professed her love to, of Samuel. This is chat There's deciding. There's so many, we- so many unspoken ways that her love was professed. <laughs> I look I mean, forward so to many, reading so the fan fiction. So many things left unsaid. Yeah. <laughs> fan fiction. That is what makes it more tragic, Alina. The unprofessed. I mean, the the nineteen, twenty year old, and the how many year old? How old is he? Seven, yeah, he's, he's, he's up there. <laughs> but he looks thirty. But he yeah, looks 30, right. So you're fine. It looks great. Yeah. As long as you don't take that helm off. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, uh, Emily, how how was Shakara's ending? How did how did what did you think of of hers? Like Bill said, I seriously thought Shakara was going to end up sacrificing herself in order to make it all stop. That would, that thought was definitely in my head that that could be a possibility. I'm fairly happy with the way it all turned out until the very, very, very end. <laughs> keck, 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 keck. Where Keck came and stole the eye. <laughs> it was like, you just, you had to, didn't you? Leland? You just had to. <laughs> Can't trust Shakara with an eye. No, obviously not. So I asked, I asked Emma what would Keck do? And I asked her, or she said, rather, that Keck's motivating factor would be to get her voice back in whatever way possible. Oh. Yeah, that makes mm. sense. Right. So okay. that's kind of, and I don't know if it was obviously it wasn't quite clear in uh, what kind of was spoken in that last little scene, but this, you know, it's like years and years that like, there's been years of complacency having gone by right before that kind of is happening. Like there's, there's many, many years of like, a spar in peace is as peaceful as a spar can get watching before. and scouting and waiting for her chance right to right steal exactly it. exactly kind of thing so i mean she could have just joined us i would have welcomed her in she could have been part of my family we could all been living there <laughs> happily all guarding the eye she could have had her voice back. cuddle puddle Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could have been cuddle puddling every night. Mm. Four of us. It's okay. I didn't really like the way that Leland took liberties with my uh, epilogue either. So. Oh, that's BS. You said <laughs> I want this and this to happen. You have free reign to fill in the blanks. <laughs> All right. Am I am I the only one that wrote my epilogue? Uh, you definitely, as you are wont to as do usual. with backgrounds, gave me the most. <laughs> The most to work with, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. John tried to keep it to under ten pages, though, so he did good this time. <laughs> I did. I kept making the text smaller. John's <laughs> <laughs> are 
you did the opposite of what I did in school, which is to put it at yeah, twenty double point space font. It and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was I was happy at the end. I I liked the uh, the final battle. I thought it was uh, it was uh, really cool the way everything was coming together. I liked that. Shaft did what Shaft would do. He tried to get Nina out. And then, of course, we talked a little bit about that whole exit and how that was going to flow down. There was, I wanted to leave some doubt that whether he would come back or not, right? It was, uh, he was sort of torn on whether he should uh, get out and keep her to, to safety or go back and try to help at the end just to make sure this wasn't going to go any worse. And I think that went up pretty well. And I like the uh, the epilogues. I think it sort of wrapped everything up pretty well. And yeah, I think it was a it was a good. The good epilogues ending. were epic logs. <laughs> okay, that was dumb. Yeah, I, I, I agree. That was dumb. You're right. That was dumb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good answer. Good two answer. times. Two times today. You're already right. <laughs> I do have some questions, but I'm sure we'll get to that later. Yeah. Good. 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 Um, my. Uh, overall thoughts on the ending uh, are positive. Uh, I definitely, I think the the fight played out in my head how, or or, or it, it in reality it played out uh, in my head reality. I can't tell the difference sometimes, but it played out how I thought it might. Um, like I said, obviously there there was like things could have got a lot worse, and. Yeah, I think uh, it was it was really fun. Obviously, it's always bittersweet. Um, I think I've mentioned before on after parties and, and elsewhere, like this is the first uh, campaign I've DM'd for that has finished. So I was incredibly worried that uh, I might not be able to bring it home. <laughs> uh, if if you know what I mean, I don't. I don't know. Uh, so maybe that's kind of where my own my judging myself comes in, but. It was a lot of fun. Um, I wouldn't have changed anything that we did, and it was it was great to have some finality. And I think the epilogues were a really really good idea. I'm glad that we ultimately uh, did them. Uh, definitely spurred by by John wanting them, so that was a great call. They turned out. I think they turned out really really well. I enjoyed writing the ones for for the NPCs. Um, I hope it kind of flowed more of like reading a short little story rather than a bullet point by bullet point by bullet point uh so it was really it was really great to put together and obviously like i expressed at the very end of of uh 207 like it's just it's been nothing but a privilege to be able to to play with with the four of you so very happy very happy with everything i think you did a great job on, on i appreciate writing this I appreciate except for the and... comment of obvious reasons <laughs> yeah, I can honestly say this is the best D and D campaign I've ever played. Oh, the wow. best Thanks. episodes yet! <laughs> Thanks, this is the best campaign I've ever finished. Yeah, I think I've been more invested with this character than any other character I've played in the thirty some odd years that I've been playing. So that means something. I really felt I really enjoyed the character and the way the the whole story came together and how the interaction it was the best role playing experience I should say too. Yeah. Cuz a lot of role playing at the table is a lot of combat and people joking around a lot but we had the joking around but it was all, you know, well done with the with the RPG sessions. So. I didn't know that like the amount of role play was heavy in our podcast, right? Like we didn't have much to compare it to at first. Yeah, we've been spoiled for sure. So John saying those things carries more weight than what we say i feel like but 
My, one of my favorite moments was episode one when uh, Shaft ran up to uh, Bren and said, uh, I didn't know you were, uh, what? Inept. Inept. Elena was like, what the hell? What, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> my God, why are you attacking me? <laughs> I'm like, that's a character. You got to... <laughs> Well, and Bryn kept being like, I'd jab him in the neck, like thinking that I could kill someone with one poke. I, I don't I don't know how this works. Like, yeah. We should have we had Bill Ben go through and count how many times Elena said, I don't know, I'm new to this. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm new. Bill Ben doesn't have that kind of time. I do feel like I've stopped saying it. I hope so. It's been four years. You're not new anymore. We can only put so much on Bill Ben. Which, do we want to talk about that right now since we Stat just brought man. it up? So we did put that out uh, in in the uh, Discord for a few people to take some guesses. But first off, I'd like to thank Bill Ben. Yes, thank you, Bill Ben. For the epic work that he has done, listening to every episode, probably multiple times. Checking out, he he sent me, he's been sending me stats occasionally, but he sent me the final stats recently. And far more detail than i was ever expecting uh every fight notes on every fight wow you know things such as you know this is where falls are in hit shaft you know from (laughs) (laughs) damage perspective uh all the npcs all the one shots um amazing stuff we're not going to get into all that but i did sort of consolidate one shots everything i mean not insane that's impressive it's it's an insane amount of work for sure and uh, so, first off, and, I, and I've expressed this to him, but I'll do it again here. Thank you very much for all this. It's, it's really cool just to see it, because it's not something I would ever, ever do. But that being said, he did. we do have the um, all of the main characters of the show that I sort of put out on Discord to ask people what they thought, who was the character that the most did, dealt the most damage, and which character uh, took the most damage. So... Everybody sort of put their thing in in Discord, but I'm going to ask all of you, just out of curiosity before we get there, we'll start with Bill because that's what we're doing today. So are we saying characters or players? Bryn, Falzerin, Gozer, Shaft, Mia, Shakara. Of those, which one of those characters dealt the most damage? My money's on Shaft. Shaft has done some huge damage at and has never died. Yeah, well well Falzerin <laughs> and Shaft have the advantage of being around the longest, right? Right. Right. Okay. Okay, so Elena, who do you think? I'm just gonna say Mia because I'm cocky, so <laughs> <laughs> I, I already knew the answer, but I asked it to be pleasant. Uh Emily. I've seen the data so I'm gonna bow out. Oh, you could have looked real smart. <laughs> I, I I don't remember pro strat. Oh no. <laughs> um, I I'm gonna say I'm gonna guess Mia as well. Damage given, the winner is Shaft by yes. not much. That makes sense. Now, before I give the answer, everybody tell me what their number is. I think how much oh, damage was given in the course like, of the campaign. Can you give I, us even like know. a clue of what range it's in? Just get just give me a number, and I'll just say high low from Bill. A thousand. A thousand. Uh, much, much higher. 12,000. Much, much lower. <laughs> <laughs> 1,100. So Shaft had 5,235 5, points of damage. What? Wow. Wow. Given. The next closest is Mia 
with 5,134. Very close for not being around for for like six or seven levels. (laughs) Then, after that, surprisingly, Falzerin, 4,762. How much of that was to the Pegasus? He's a cockroach. (laughs) Yeah, how many to the Pegasus? Then we, you know, Shakaris, 2,798. Then we go down to... Gozer, 724, and Bryn, 695. Now, okay, so remember, the high point was 5,235. Who had the most damage given, taken to them? Oh, taken? Uh, uh, Shaft, Mia's for AC's sure. too high. Who got, who got hit the most? I'm thinking Shaft did. I think Shaft as well. Like, yeah. I, Shakar and me are too high of an AC. Like, I bet Shaft took somewhere in the ballpark of 3,000 damage. Shakara took the most damage uh, of everyone. 1,539. Wow. Is that because of Dendara, though? <laughs> because No, no. Okay. Shakara, like, in the beginning, Shakara went down. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I went unconscious many times. Yeah. Yeah. Shaft was second, 1,435. Falzerin, 1,176. And Mia, 1,192. You stayed back and did your spells while Shakara went up and was in the melee, like, most of the time. Okay, so the last thing I was going to say, of all the NPCs, and I'll list the ones that he tracked, I'm not going to give you all the numbers. I just want you to tell me which one took the most damage and which one uh, gave the most damage. Brendel gave the least damage. Of? <laughs> of? I, I can tell you the numbers if you have specifics. Thuft, Brendel, Barry, Grimby, Drag, Slava, Mullen, Halsa, Sparky, Silas, Kula, Braun, Horik, Kepley, Samuel, and Thuftamar. So those are all, but I'll just give you a hint. It's one of our main NPCs who gave the most damage. Probably Drag. He was in a lot of fights with Grimby. us. Grimby. Gotta be Drag. Grimby or Drag were in the most fights with us, probably. I'll yeah. say Drag or Hulsa. It's, it's Drag by quite a bit. Oh. Drag was uh, 341 damage given. Uh, the second runner up, though. It's not Grimby, which I thought it would be. It's actually Horik. Horik. Oh. Horik okay. at 233. Grimby, a measly 117. Wow. Well, he's really on he our didn't side, really, really have that much airtime. Really. <laughs> yeah, Grimby had far too few. It's far, uh, like way too little airtime. He just wasn't yeah. in the campaign <laughs> yeah. nearly enough. <laughs> and who took the most damage for the team? The NPC that took the most pain and agony for all of us. Theft? <laughs> well, I didn't have that many hit points. <laughs> I, I, think, I think it was Braun, is my guess, because Braun got beat up quite a bit. I was I was going to agree with uh, with Brit. Drag. Drag lost a finger, though, or whatever. Yeah. Fingers. Hand. Drag, Drag literally lost parts of himself. <laughs> it is Drag. 286 okay. points of damage for <laughs> our friend Drag. Drag. Oh, Took a beating. He, he played a, a big part in our campaign. Yeah. Wow. And second place, again, Horik, uh, 245. Now, he did get chucked onto a bunch of spikes and carried Ooh, around. Yes. Uh, yeah. He He, did, he, was, uh, he, he had a collected. lot of damage. <laughs> he was collected, yes. <laughs> wow, that's... So that means... I mean, that obviously shows that those MPs were most likely involved in more combats than other mm-hmm. NBC. So obviously like like Grimby so, yeah. I mean I think Grimby was in 
probably less than five combats. So drag must have been in more. Yeah. In the big fights in Heracleon, like just mm-hmm. kind of never ended for a bit there. Uh, well, in yeah. all of Heracleon, Grimby was stupefied or uh, feeble minded. Right. Yes. So yes. he's not doing anything. Poor the Grimby. feeble Grims. Yeah. I forgot. About you either him. didn't know where he was or he's just in a bedroom drooling somewhere looking at the yes. ceiling. <laughs> yeah. So some, some honorable mentions. I'd like to say Barry. Uh, hey. Gave nine points of damage and took thirty-one. So I mean, Barry. <laughs> Can we get a Barry sound effect? Let's do it. Do it. Come on. <laughs> oh man, yes. I miss. Barry. And uh, Brendel gave ten points of damage but took nothing. That prick. He took everything. Fucking Brendel. <laughs> Screw Brendel, man. How many t- how many NPCs screwed Falzerin? Yeah. Oh wow. Just one. I don't think. Uh... Not in the good in a way. Non-sexual yeah. fashion. Yeah. No. Brendel, Geneva, Alamar. Sorta. I mean, technically Shakara in some ways. You... Geneva didn't specifically screw over Falzerin. Like Geneva was like more general. Hmm. But she was. His there was some mentor. deception involved. Yeah. Izzy screwed Falzern around. I don't know. She, yeah. I don't know that she necessarily like betrayed him or like. Is this because you were the most gullible, or like what? Just. I think it was because they saw how powerful I was mm-hmm. and figured mm-hmm. they would yes. center me out. Yeah, that's what it was. Do you think Falzern has grown through the campaign to be less trusting of others? Yes, but not enough. <laughs> <laughs> that was my goal. shaft has definitely helped him learn a little bit to be less naive and less trusting but he's still gonna make mistakes i'm sure it's just the way he is can't help it those stats are great um it's it is really cool to to have them and obviously the final stats and numbers will be on the website uh so anybody interested in looking at the full list of course that's where you'll be able to find them Grudgelparty.com. That's awesome. For those that need it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's huge. Thank you so much, Bill Ben. It's really yeah, cool. Absolutely. And he and he said he's gonna do it for campaign two. So oh, you know, he's, oh, he, he's locked in from the beginning. So you realize we're not paying you for I this. I hope he's right? getting our checks in the mail. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but don't cash them until Friday. Otherwise I might bounce. <laughs> Rubber checks. <laughs> We're paying you in platinum pieces. <laughs> was there any um, moments, maybe we can get one from each of us, that was like a standout moment in the campaign? Um, I will start just to switch things up a little bit. But one of my uh, favorite parts was pretty much every single time I got to play Isabella. <laughs> <laughs> Isabella's voice I, 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 one. <laughs> her voice changed so much yeah Isabel's voice did change I mean in the very first episode I think I just like pitched my own voice down and then I don't even know where or how I, I don't like I don't even remember deciding to change the voice or even like mid Isabella sounds different than late Isabella like less breathy I think um yeah she definitely did change quite a bit Mr. Abs <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's a bit of a cop-out, but um, my favorite part of campaign was is Isabella. Is, Isabella? is there, is there one, in interaction, Isabella. one interaction with, that Isabella had with someone that you remember fondly? 
I absolutely loved the last, like, I think it was like 35 minutes of RP with Isabella and Shakara at uh, Session 111 Sisters when everybody but Shakara dragged, blinked, teleported them to the Knowledge Center and it was just Shakara and Isabella. That, that was such a great exchange between the two of them as, you know, as Shakara is like agreeing to join the coven. That was, I love that. So good. Oh, crap. I need to re-listen to all the stuff I missed, which I haven't done yet. Swore you were going to say when Shaft and Isabella were in there at the end talking about just random facts. (laughs) (laughs) I think you sent a message saying, Shaft pisses me off so much or something. Yeah, I was just going to say, editing. So so not not so much during RP, because like, I'm, I guess like when I'm thinking, especially with Isabella, like it's so easy to RP and, and know what Isabella would say or think after having you know, been in thought in her shoes for so long, but editing back, <laughs> listening to Shaft's responses are just so fucking frustrating for me. <laughs> I'm just like, why is he saying, no, why are you doing this or saying this? Just fucking go where I want you to do or say what I want you to do. It's so frustrating. Welcome to my life. Oh, man. <laughs> So I'm glad I could bring you a little joy. I can't wait to listen to that. <laughs> oh man, I gotta get on. I gotta get on listening to it all. Well, all I mean, things. John, do you have a standout moment? Something that like immediately comes to mind? I think the thing that uh, probably changed Shaft's life forever within the uh, Asparn campaign has to be the moment that he purchased the Shaft Shackling Shacks. <laughs> Shacks of shackling. I think when I read what Leland wrote that they did, I went, oh my, this is going to be game breaking. <laughs> yeah, uh, clearly I we did not know what while, I was though. giving you. <laughs> for How a hundred gold pieces. <laughs> I, we never used them in the way that they were intended to be used. <laughs> Leland, how much do you regret those shackles? Uh, I mean, not at all, honestly. Like, you could say something similar to uh, the short sort of oozes, the bronze scaled scimitar, uh, the uh, death knight sword, the, the you know, the, the really powerful uh, weapons and stuff. Um, no, I, I definitely no regrets. I just, I like... Uh, I like it when you as players like make things that fuck me over. It's great. Like it's perfect. <laughs> we really did not use them for like in the middle period for a bit. Like we kind of forgot about them in some battles, but we did a better job. Like once we, once we got going. Yeah. I forgot about them a few times and I thought about them working backwards occasionally too. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to dive off the steps and then it's like, no, you're going to hit the ground. Go because... Yeah. 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 <laughs> It's only a one-way ticket. <laughs> no, but I think those, from a strategic standpoint, those came in so handy. Yeah. To be able to have basically the teleport spell available to you at about any time as a free action or as an action. We bounced back and forth. I think it was a bonus action at some point and an action at other points. And yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so chat's asking if I was surprised at how they were they were utilized and. I think, yeah, sometimes I, I was surprised. 
But when you think about like there was kind of the period where they weren't really uh, used much I, during that kind of mid campaign period is when the party was going through their most untrustworthy phase and interactions with each other, I think. And it really wasn't until going into the end of chapter three where uh, some cohesion really started, which is kind of funny to say, considering we had the split and it was like 12 episodes of being apart, which amounts to a very long time in like release schedule that we weren't together as a party. Uh, so that's all. That's kind of antithetical to what I'm trying to say here. But I, I, I do think there was a, a certain cohesiveness that once, uh, once a few things were kind of, I don't know if uh, worked out. Probably not even. They weren't even worked out. They were more like push under the rug for another day. <laughs> you know, they're kind of swept away and then dealt with later. There was a greater goal that sort of helped us put the little nitpicky things aside. Yeah. 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 I wonder how much of that was the fact that we missed playing with each other because of the split. So it was like we just wanted we were happy to rough. play together again. Well, as far as the the split goes, I uh, and I know we talked about it in a, you know the, a couple of the last after parties. Uh, so not to kind of keep reiterating what we've already said, but I think the split was was fun and maybe lasted a little little too long. Again, as far as like release schedules go, but also drastically changed the way the campaign the end of the campaign unfolded i mean look what happened with the the neogi and the and the caves uh, or the sorry the mountain the Vorgrang mountains you know <laughs> exploding that event cut the split short immediately it forced you all back together right otherwise there was still a lot of things that could have been done like i know shaft probably want to do a lot more in drukal um possibly shakara as well but all of that was just like cut short and it was just so funny going into some of those last recording sessions with Emily and, and John respectively with me knowing exactly what's going to happen, like what and when they're going to realize that they're in oh shit territory as this pyroclastic flow is rocketing towards the city itself and like listening to each of you like, okay, I would like to, I want to try to do this and this and this. I'm like... Let's see what you what you accomplish in the timeline that I know because it's like if you look at it as a timeline, it's like we're here and I know the volcanic eruption here. Whatever you can fill in this tiny little gap is yeah. going to be interesting to see. So uh, it was really fun. It was it was I guess it was a bit of an experiment uh, for us, which was kind of cool to have something different in our final chapter too. I think for us as players as well, right? I mean. It, it it forced uh, each of us to have different dynamics. Like we, <laughs> I know with, with Bill and Elena, I mean, they were at least together. Mia, and, I mean, it wasn't Mia and Falzrin. Exactly. I was about to say, <laughs> we got along swimmingly. But it was also like, I mean, we, we chied Bill uh, on kind of his more contemplative way of speaking, which... That's a very kind way of putting it, Leland. Yes, I, oh. I, I, yes you're, you're very welcome. So it's like, just having the two of you, sometimes there's... He spoke the most he had in the whole campaign. Right? It's almost like a one-sided conversation with the way Mia Mia can go. And of course... Chat is loving the split, according to them. Like, they're saying it was awesome. I'm glad it went over well. I'm really glad, because I, I also really enjoyed it. I've said before, too, in way in past, like, I like it when the party split up because I like juggling the timelines. 
Uh, it's really interesting for me as as the DM, and it's like a it's a it's a, an excellent challenge that I like to take on, and that I pat myself on the back think I excel at. It was good uh, as far as you know running the game goes. So thank you, thank you, uh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> so I'm glad it went over well. I I think we got sidetracked from the memorable moments. Just throwing that out there. We did. Bill and I never got to give ours, but we'll circle back. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think the split was a really, really cool thing, and I'm glad we did it. Even though at times, as we've kind of uh, touched on, you know, we missed playing with all of us together, and there were sometimes weeks and weeks that went by where it's kind of a bummer that we didn't get to hang out with our friends, you know, as as much as we would like to, because every time we record, it's really just us friends hanging out on a certain level. So, but I think for the for what it brought and the benefit to the story, definitely worth it. Uh, I think it was really cool. Harder to pull off around a table. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Definitely. Oh, it's, yeah. That's a good Definitely point yeah. from the grandfather there. Like, uh, how do you, <laughs> like, what if you're in someone's house and you're playing in one room where you can't even, like, send people to another room or something? I, I've done that before where I've taken people into other rooms and said things. And, yeah. It's yeah, fun. but sometimes you're playing in someone's one-bedroom apartment. Like, how do you? <laughs> Going to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah bathroom. bathroom party. Okay, all right. <laughs> Not awkward at all. How, how would you feel, Bill? Come on, let's go to the bathroom together. I got something to. I got something to show you. <laughs> Do you want to come into my closet? Oh my. <laughs> let's go role play in the bathroom. <laughs> there you go. That's it. <laughs> we need to have a role play moment. <laughs> Plus, I mean, it would have been a lot harder for. Um, K to hold up that facade with oh, potentially yeah. Shaft and Shakara around, so it was perfect. I really enjoyed the little I have heard where it was just, you know, falls are entrapped with Alamar in limbo and things like that. Or like I, I liked that, so I can't wait to listen back. And I think the listener experience is definitely better than like we said, waiting for a month and not hanging out with each other and feeling a little bit disconnected from each other. But Well, Elena, do you have a standout moment? I do. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Bryn's standout moment was the solo heist. That was really fun. To like kind of plan a solo episode and do the first one of its kind was really fun. And then with that being said, introducing Mia as a new character and having some RP so that the the listener has a little bit of a knowledge before the party met Mia and things like that. I think that's really cool. Um, we've talked about expanding on that for campaign two. Stay tuned. Um, and then the two Ks, because I think three is inappropriate. Uh, the first one being Kralakina, and the second one being... <laughs> That's just funny. They both do start with a K. That was not intentional. Yeah. <laughs> so the Kralakina storyline was really cool, and I just liked all the twists and turns. And uh, each time Mia was given the opportunity to spend as much as she felt like was necessary. Like it even happened in the last battle. Like how many spell slots you want to throw out there and increase your chances and all that. I I really liked that mechanic and thought you did a really good job with that. It was really fun to play. Made me feel powerful. That, that puts a lot of uh, responsibility on your shoulders. A lot of tension, right? Deciding how much. And it didn't fail. Okay. I was, uh, was I deaf (laughs) or blind or both? (laughs) I could see. (laughs) Bill. It's hard for me to choose. There's 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 two things that stand out. One is the the portion of time. I mean, there the, a big chunk of it was just one episode, 
where I was in the, um, what's it called, the fugue plane, when Falzern was dead and Kay had taken over his body and Falzern's spirit was, you know, going to be judged and um, just that whole trying to get back to his body, I I loved that. And I also loved playing Kay. (laughs) So I guess that's kind of of all one thing. It was so much fun. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So much fun to like have a secret. Was it because you were deceiving Elena? Oh, yeah. Is that what? I could like feel (laughs) that. Like when our recording sessions were done and I was spitballing ideas with him, right? And we're like chatting about it. Like I could sense that he felt like he was having such a good time. And like now I get why. (laughs) Because I would be like, what if, like I literally said to him, what if you're, I said, like, what if you're Neogi or a spy and all these things? And he just, like, he really convinced me he wasn't. So that was pretty. <laughs> Good job, Bill. <laughs> yeah. It was fun. I feel like it stretched my role-playing muscles for sure. I had to, like, I put a lot of effort into that because I legitimately didn't want Elena to catch on to the fact that I was deceiving her. So so you're saying over these last four years, you've learned how to deceive your wife. Yes. So she has no idea what you're doing. Thanks to us. Exactly. <laughs> well, you're welcome, Bill. <laughs> no, it was, it was really, it was a very fun dynamic to also kind of get a peek behind to kind of like not really be a co-DM, but you know, talking to Leland. Uh, You're planning, yeah. Off, off mic and behind the scenes. Um, that was fun as well. Chat saying you did a great job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that Absolutely. a lot. I got, I got three moments. Oh wow! Okay. Wow. Stand out. Hit us. So, I, and I'm gonna go in reverse order. So the third one was at the end when Shakara was talking to Isabella, and Isabella was like, "Just give me the eyes and help me." And then I was like, "One step at a time." And then all, and I was like oh, yeah. weighing my oh. options. And that was when I really made the decision. It's like, no, we're not doing this. It was so tense. That was great. Even live. You yeah. take one step forward. And like, this is, oh, it was so good. Yeah, I was real happy with the way that came out. Second one was, um, as Bill Ben pointed out, when Shakara and Alamar were talking. And uh, Shakara ultimately threw the Lich Potion on the ground and broke it, denying him. And then the, like the whole thing with... Um, we were trying to stop Alamar from what he thought was his best way of saving the planet. And then Shakara basically followed in his footsteps and yeah. became <laughs> yeah. I think evil. I mentioned that at one point. <laughs> Wasn't it just Heracleon he cared about? Trying to save, yeah, well, yeah. And Shakara's trying to save all of Aspara, but like doing very questionable, evilish things in order to do it. Um, and that, that, that just the, the way that that played out was very interesting. And then the first one, third one, how everyone got it, was Gozer's death. And I listened back to that, and I felt so bad for you three, for Elena, Bill, and John, because I and Leland knew what was going to happen. I didn't want Gozer to survive that. And you all were like, how do we save Gozer? How... Oh man! And you guys felt bad about not being able to save her, and I'm like, let let me go. I felt so much better, <laughs> like when out of combat and like off mic, you told us it was planned because, as like a new player as well, I was so like distraught about that. <laughs> so yeah, I felt you were so like, bad. you it's couldn't like... do anything on purpose, and we're like, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. It was definitely good to know afterwards that. 
I felt a lot better knowing that that was kind of how you wanted it to go. Because in the moment, I was like, oh, crap. We, we don't have anything we can do to save poor Emily's character. I mean, that sounds... It was orchestrated, I guess, in a way. But very little of that was done throughout the campaign where somebody came to you, Leland. You tell me, because I only know from my side. But somebody came to you and said, this is what I really want to happen. And then it sort of got worked in, like Gozer's death. Really, the only conversation that went down between Emily and I was Emily was she's like I, I I'm I think Gozer as a character is is done like it's time for her to be gone and this is the way I think that she would love to go out and it happened to be like you didn't you didn't go out to the coral urn to take on Erica because I wanted Gozer to die there you know what I mean it was just the right time I think uh, you know you're right 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 place, right time kind of thing for, for, for Gozer to go out there. So, but yeah, you're right. Like, no, there, there's, I don't know if you, I don't know, maybe you want to call that scripted, but the way the fight went out, like this fight, it wasn't scripted. Gozer's actions wasn't scripted. Emily wasn't doing things specifically because I've, I, you know, she knew that Gozer needed to do X, Y, Z, right? Um, Whoa, whoa, whoa. American? X, Y, Z. Well, that was for, that's for our American <laughs> listeners. <laughs> kind of like when Mia met the party. It's like, we kind of have to orchestrate that we're going to be in the city and this is what you're doing. But none of it was like telling us what to say. And It brought on a thing. Every time somebody, and a number of times later, Shaft was asked about, Shaft would bring up Gozer or something, or somebody that knew Gozer. And they say, they'd always say the same thing. Was it a good death? And I always paused as Shaft because it wasn't a good death. It was they were she was crushed, right? It wasn't like she went out in a rage of battle. But I always said yes, it was a good death. But for from a shaft's perspective, a good death for Gozer would have been dying in in battle. Mm-hmm. You know, as a warrior. Well, I mean, she she was going after Erica, but yeah, she did kind of drown. Right, exactly. And Erica did not die in that fight. No. Right. But that's one of those little things like I me mean, as a character always yeah. thought about, but you never comes across on a podcast or, or anything. That that moment of was it a good death? Yes, it was a good death. But nobody ever questioned what happened or I would have lied. Sure. Yeah, yeah exactly. I would have said it would have been a battle. That's like it's almost like that's the equivalent of, hey, how you doing? Like social social contract wise you don't go into all the problems that you've been having for the last you know couple months or whatever when someone does that you as kind of more of a more of a greeting i think it's almost something kind of similar but that's a really good point that honestly i didn't didn't think of like that you're right that wasn't really a great death for gozer because gozer didn't get her adversary in in that fight um yeah interesting i mean that that there wasn't there almost was no conclusion to that chain of events in the coral urn, right? I mean, it almost took the whole party out. Like, you barely got out in the apparatus of, of Qualish, uh, those giant uh, crab thingies, right? Yep. No, was... What level was Shikara? Oh, goodness. She, her, her class was uh, Paladin Warlock. So she started as a Paladin Goody Goody. Um, she was, she was good. <laughs> Shikara was good. With the brands, yeah. And then became Warlock and was not so good. And then became a Hexblood and was even less good. <laughs> That's sexier. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what level did I get to with Shakara? I'm going to look it up real Well, quick. we were all, I think, a total 12. You might have been six Paladin, six Warlock by the end. I thought we were 11. 
No, you should have been 12. If you were 11, you were underleveled into that last fight. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Shakara was, like, super goody. I mean... Yeah, 8 Paladin, 4 Warlock. Oh, 8 Paladin. Mm, okay, only that four makes Warlock. sense. Okay. Wow, there's a Yeah, lot. I mean, and then, like, session 63, I think it was, Friend of Mine, was the first kind of path that Shakara... I mean, and... Oh, wow. Campbell. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That Shakara and Campbell were kind of led down with you know the the sapphire box showed up at Campbell's shop was that was you know was meant for for Shakara and Shakara got the first visit by from Dendar which ultimately turned out to be actually yeah, a fabrication yeah. by Isabella <laughs> oh and then uh, and then Man, I need to listen back 50 episodes later Shakara's joining the coven in session 111 right like <laughs> that's why I like Isabella. <laughs> Isabella's just fun. <laughs> uh, real, real, real quick. Um, she was an Oath of an Agent's paladin and became a Oathbreaker paladin. So she was still paladin, but um, evil paladin. Well, I just want to turn the tables on to Leland, if that's okay. Do we have more memories to talk about? Oh, so everybody's done theirs? Because I have one, one more before go, you go. Go, go, go. Yeah. The most, I think we all will agree, the most emotional moment of the entire campaign the death of Thuft. That was heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> but also We're we thuft. did that. Unexpected. Unexpected. Everybody unexpected. was very emotional at that particular moment. It, it was unexpected. I think that's why. Yeah. And I think we probably all mourned that episode at when we finished more than any other character death. <laughs> well, just no one wants to go in an exploding burst of pustules. That is not a good death. It was, it was well, I mean, awful. you know what they say: a watch stuff never boils. If you had watched them, That's maybe right. you wouldn't have boiled. <laughs> and uh, fucking Brendel. Oh yes, that betrayal. Ah. And listening back, like there's so many things. It's like Brendel missed. Brendel missed this, and I'm like, it's. We by then we were all like especially in the Coralins, we all none of us really trusted Brendel anymore, I don't think. And we were like, he's freaking useless, Brendel, but we didn't realize the extent of the betrayal and but listening back it's like so many little signs. Do you guys think that we'll be better at picking up Leland's hints no. in the next no. Okay. No. I was gonna say I don't really think so either. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh. I think we'll be better at taking notes. I don't think we'll be better at understanding Maybe. them. <laughs> I really think I would take better notes if I could type, but the recording and talking and typing just doesn't really mix. You know? No, I plan to, to note take when I listen back later. Ooh, that is yeah. smarter. Yeah. Big brain. Yeah, that's true. I often listened while I was commuting or whatever, so that makes it kind of like impossible to take notes, but Me too. I think I might change that up <laughs> moving forward. Well, my question for Leland was going to be in regards to the story and like character backstory and just sort of weaving this web of Aspara, which literally I think at one point John and Emily did have like the red yarn type uh, <laughs> whiteboard with yeah, the lines going on. <laughs> when it comes to introducing someone like Mia and Shaft's already been in the story, but then later it's revealed Shaft had a bounty for Braun and things like that. Like, how does that like... It couldn't have been in place from the beginning. So, like, what's your process with, uh, with that, that sort of stuff? That was originally for you, by the way. Okay, so it was for Br Bryn? No, 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 no. That's, that's not what I mean. That's not what John means. But um, 
So obviously I had it all planned right from the very beginning and I just incepted you into creating <laughs> Mia. Come on. Uh, but so when it comes to kind of that kind of You guys kind of did stuff, kind of tell me to be a cleric. So I went with it. <laughs> anyway. Well, when it comes to kind of filling in those gaps and making those connections later on with, like you said, yeah, obviously we have characters that didn't exist when we were RPing something. So how could that possibly have been something? Well, obviously not, right? That's literally impossible. But Shaft, the character of Shaft was in a good position. Um, the way John kind of concepted Shaft was to be more of a mystery. And as we had with the back shafts uh, that we got to do, um, a number of them, I think at least three or four, we unfolded Shaft's backstory that way with kind of the flashback kind of way. Rather than, uh, well, I would say in addition to, as we got later into the, game, the campaign, but in addition to, you know, him having direct tie-ins to the people you're meeting because, like, we didn't spend very much. We spent, like, a couple episodes in Dracol right at the beginning, and then we didn't get back there until the last chapter of the campaign, right? So there was there was less opportunity for Shaft as a character, um, for, for that character's background to be incorporated into kind of what's going around in the world. Or at least, I should state it a little differently, uh, less opportunity to show the rest of the party and the listener how Shaft was incorporated into the world. Because, you know, many of the, many of the things um, that John wanted to do with Shaft, we had the opportunity to involve some of your other characters as, again, they're, they're, they're playing out. And what John meant was the, the original idea of that was that the bounty was on specifically Mia's head. Oh. So there was potential a scenario that Shaft would try to orchestrate getting Mia back to Detmer to collect on the bounty or, or so those are some of the kind of the conversations that that often John and I had about kind of a direction that we wanted to take Shaft in a way to show the listener as the podcast is progressing Shaft's backstory. So that was kind of the the route that we both agreed was really interesting for us to do. And I think John, I assume, had a lot of fun thinking up those ideas. You did love my last name. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, there was like, <laughs> there was a backshaft episode where I take the bounty and it says Brightwood on it, on the, in the paper. But we didn't say which Brightwood. It just said Brightwood. And then there was uh, another moment, I think, one time when you said, I'm Mia Brightwood. And I go, never heard of you. And, you Definitely know, those, did, yeah. Those kind of things was fun for, you know, like Lily gets to know all this stuff. Those were, that was fun for me because I get to know, you know, little pieces of things I was trying to do that hopefully would come out. But then the whole uh, Braun thing sort of happened and it sort of made a lot more sense, I think, in the I don't even remember who wanted me. Uh, There was a bounty out on you for Hannah. Hannah wanted, wanted me. Okay, we we should get into she that. There's a lot but, we don't know. Yeah, let's is. just get into Leland splurging all the secrets here. This is this is what we're here <laughs> for. Let's. Okay. <laughs> I mean, a, a lot of kind of the things that you could potentially have uncovered that may have impacted the direction of the story. Like most of it is more conceptual than like fine grained details. Obviously, right? Because as I'm prepping the campaign, I'm not detailing every single thing that may or may not happen. The details really get fleshed in when we get closer to something actually happening. Speaking of uh, voices changing, Shakara was a lot breathier in the beginning. Yeah. And I had to take much bigger breaths to be able to do her voice. Oh, yes. Yes. You chose hard voices. Like, Gozer, you started with her saying so little that you had to, like, keep it up. 
Gozer was hard for me because I talk fast a lot. And just Gozer, the choice with her was she just, she wasn't dumb. She just didn't talk much. She didn't feel a need to say anything to anybody. Um, and if you didn't know, that's your own stupid fault. So, but that was really, really hard for me. Yeah. Well, I also, I do think though, like it did feel like Gozer's intelligence did reduce because at the beginning, Gozer didn't really have a voice, but go you found a voice for Gozer when Gozer chose to speak, which uh, kind of interesting because again, I was listening to a back to some like, like episode like six and seven a while back um, because I think I mentioned on one of the after parties as part of sometimes as part of my preparation, especially with as long running as our campaign went. I'll listen back to older episodes when we've been, you know, back to where we, when we were to an area, um, like the last time we were, maybe it was like 50 episodes ago. Maybe it was a hundred episodes ago, <laughs> you know, in the case of the end, end of the campaign, 200 episodes ago, I was listening back to when we were at the Zex and K, right. To make sure details are, you know, details that I laid out before are still there and continuity wise and stuff. Uh, so yeah, it is really interesting listening back to some of the older episodes and like seeing how. We've all changed or found a voice for uh, our own character, or in my case, some of the NPCs. Uh, it's really interesting. Really interesting. I have a I have a question for Leland, real quick. Which NPC did you think was going to be something that was just a Passover thing that ended up being a main NPC? You did not expect two two immediate things. First one by far, Grimby Chum. I mean, Grimby was. A uh, throwaway captain that you met in the docks at Port Pisces. And Shaft like, almost killed him in the coral urn. We were, right? I would listen to that one. Yeah. We were floating by on those crab things, and he saw him floating there with a thing on his face. He's like, oh, well, let's just, just squish him and put him out of his misery. <laughs> oh, that was Grimby? That was Grimby. That was Grimby and Greg down there. Because uh, they were on the yeah. rising starfish that got shipwrecked by the infinite storm. Oh. And they were down in the oh. coral right. urn. I immediately, I immediately thought of Dreg, right? Because Dreg was supposed to be Matthew Jude, which is for sure a one-off. Dreg also. So I know I knew Dreg. Uh, well, yes, in the in the in the inception of, of Dreg, Dreg just kind of became different as a result of not actually that that role at the time of his introduction, not being an NPC guest, because like really the purpose of Dreg in that instance, and which would have been for the NPC guests in this case, Matthew Jude's. Uh, uh, guest spot who turned into his own fun and interesting character, uh, which is yeah, yes. Thunder McScroggins. But at the at the time, Dreg's uh, sh- thing was to get you to basically back to the city, and and you know he took you to that illusory rock down the, the in, yeah. steps to get yeah. He used his ring to get through the the uh, safety shell, etc. So that was his role, and obviously, yeah, that expanded clearly into far far more than. That I realized. I mean, even something, even somebody like Campbell, which is just like Shakara was like, you know, I think I would, I, or Emily was like, I, I think I would know, like, I would know somebody in this city. Like, this is one of the places around where that I would have probably frequented in, in the time that I've been out trying to get my great deeds. And okay, great. You know, you know, the local uh, potion shop dude. <laughs> come, yeah. by the, yeah. come by to the Gold Knicker. I mean, and that was when Shakara met the party. She was out collecting herbs and ingredients for Campbell, right? That's why she was at the shore. Good question in the chat there. What was the biggest NPC flop? 
you had big plans and it just didn't happen. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. The infinite hero? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Maybe Jessica. Jessica hardly was in the campaign. Shakara didn't even meet her till the final yes, battle. <laughs> exactly. So let's, okay, let's get back to kind of the things that were missed because Jessica is one of those things. Okay, so Dorset Salvage. Yeah, so you all remember Dorset Salvage. Dorset Salvage. That's where uh, that's where you stole the apparatus of Qualish to go out into the coral urn from. Their kind of thing was they they basically they were as they said they were a salvage company that um, went out and collected you know things from the shipwrecks due to the infinite storm. So the owner of Dorset Salvage, a woman named Henrietta Dorset, and she's she is a human, but she's nearly two centuries old. So she traded her child to Isabella in exchange for lasting like success and wealth. Dang. What? She's evil. That was basically physicalized by the infinite storm made to continuously cause shipwrecks. So Dorset salvage will oh. always be in business kind of thing. No oh. way. She traded her child for a freaking hurricane. And that child became Erica good. What the hell? So Erica as a hag was quite young. She gave her child to who? Izzy. Oh, so Izzy like raised Erica. It wasn't like a s- sister. Oh, I mean, man, one of the ways crazy. that, you know, a hag can be created is like hags will steal children and then put them through the process of becoming I didn't a know hag. That. Okay. Yeah. Wow. What? You're even more twisted than I realized. <laughs> this is wow. messed up, but I wanted to see behind the curtain this whole time. How would that have ever came out? Izzy wanted to kill Erica, who basically was her own kid in a way. Yeah, when, when Erica yeah. says, Mama, how dare you? Wow. That would have come out if you had interacted more with people at Dorset Salvage. Maybe you had gotten caught trying to steal the apparatus of Qualish. <sighs> when the infinite hero was assassinated um, by uh, Shaft's associate, that you chased him down into the underground, that was below Dorset Salvage. Maybe you could have, you know, interacted somewhere down there. So that that huh. might have given you like more of an insight. Like it just would have given you information kind of about Isabella that maybe you could have leveraged. So when it comes to Jessica, she's much older than than Erica, um, almost as old as Izzy. But she Jessica was m- mainly like doing her thing in the Philaren Force between before she kind of joined up with Izzy. And she, of course, is, you know, as far as the party knows, directly tied to the city of Victor and the sickness in Victor, uh, which actually wasn't a sickness. There was no actual illness or anything going around there. What? But the 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 kind of madness of the that the people that were, you know, infected by the sickness that were experiencing was was a result of Jessica infiltrating their dreams and essentially manipulating them, which we saw she did to Gozer when the party mm-hmm. was camped outside of Victor, very close oh, to the city. Oh, yeah. And Bryn yeah. was in okay. So what Jessica was doing is she's driving these people to the point of fits of violence and evil acts or tendencies so she can harvest their soul into the little fleshy soul bags and use it as a power source for Tinderman's constructs. So that's what she was doing there. So you could have, you know, you could have uncovered that too. And you, you might have killed Jessica before even really realizing what Isabella was or what she was doing. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! So the masks did nothing. The no, that was all just oil. so that was oh, all just fake gosh. news purported by the mayor of Victor because the mayor made a deal with the coven uh, at the time to keep to keep Victor protected from the effects of the towers 
and the um, Thuff's Mountain, the goblinoids in Thuff's Mountain as well, which is very close to the city of Victor. So that's why you saw how messed up Goldem got, but Victor stood as if nothing happened. I mean, they were experiencing this sickness, but the city itself wasn't being bombarded by the same types of creatures that were driven by the blue light towards Goldem. Um, and so part of, part of that arrangement to keep Victor safe was Jessica freely operating in the, the big tower that they built for her. And at the top of that tower was that oversized hag's eye, which it wasn't really, it didn't really come about to be explained that it was a hag eye, but that thing in the very end fight in the keep, it's a, it's a, um, uh, uh, something that like a coven can, can make really it's a hag's eye, right? It allows coven members to peer through the eye. And in the case of this one, it was, I kind of made it this extended oversized one so it could see like by a couple of miles. So it was at the top of this tower oh, wow. where it could survey around the whole city. So in one of the very first after credit scenes where Isabella portals to the tower and visits Jessica and she's stitching her bag together, she, Jessica mentions that she saw the party come and go. And then Jess, uh, Isabella says, well, play with whoever you want, but just leave the wizard for me kind of thing in those very early <laughs> after, after, after uh, credit scenes. So, again, when it comes to Goldham, like, obviously, Mayor Blake Lakely didn't have such a deal with the coven, or at least as far as he knew. He kind of took the route of hiring out somebody to take down the towers, right? Which was really the cause of the problems that Goldham was having. We also learned, the party kind of later learned, that that really wasn't Blake Lakely's choice, right, or, or, or thought. It was more of a suggestion passed through Blake Lakely by Isabella to, you know, contact Detmer to hire out uh, as kind of one of Isabella's many, like, fail-safes ways for her to potentially get the eyes of Dendar if her dealings with Samuel maybe went sideways or Samuel wanted to, to double-cross her and that kind of stuff. Yeah, Isabella had so many tendrils out. So Wild. many different things she was tr- manipulating. It's was crazy. she from the beginning like the big bad? She was she was a hag right from the beginning. Oh, from yeah, the yeah. beginning, oh, yeah. she was the center that it all expanded upon from. I don't I don't know if uh if she was like the center. Obviously she was a huge part of everything, but right from the outset, like the the the, the building the campaign, it was more like there's three Three major things to be tackled. The Paladins, the Coven, and the Cult of Kralakina. Um, And then I think we've talked before, like the Paladins and the Neogi are kind of tied together, right? So maybe maybe four if you want to separate the Neogi. So, but they're all just connected, right? Obviously, Erica's has had an association with the Cult of Kralakina, which resulted in this fallout between her and the rest of the Coven. Which was all was which was ultimately the the deciding factor of, of Isabella wanting That's Erica why ousted. Yeah. I had a feeling that's why she wanted Erica out. I didn't realize it was like kicking your own child creation, whatever. (laughs) Okay, what else don't we know? This is fun. Chat's loving it too. (laughs) They're asking if you would consider putting your like notes or the lore fully onto the website. Yeah, the funny thing about my notes is like, they're not great notes. (laughs) Like you could not (laughs) run an adventure based off of my notes, right? They're not... (laughs) If I were to like try to put together an adventure that could be run, I would have to change the way I make my own notes. Um, but also, like the thing is about my notes, a lot of the things that are in there are these things that the party either by decisions they make 
well, I guess it's always by decisions they make and the outcomes and the consequences of those decisions uh, result in much of that stuff just never occurring, like what we're kind of discussing. So, <laughs> and then when I have to pivot, all of the stuff that I'm pivoting to aren't in the notes, right? So it's like, it's not all there is the problem. Like, <laughs> wow. It's not our fault. <laughs> so when it comes to like Isabella's fail safes, it kind of turned out that the party themselves was one of her fail safes, right? Or really whomever may have accepted the very, that, that first bounty on the Arcanist, which happened to be another one of Isabella's suggestions, but that one kind of went more through Samuel and Samuel's relationship that Samuel Colt has had with Detmer. Uh, as, you know, Detmer was kind of like, think of it like, I mean, obviously Detmer is like not a paladin of Coltis, but Samuel just uses Detmer almost as this, as his own influence in in the north, right? Whereas when the campaign first started, the paladins weren't active in the northern part of Aspara, right? Obviously, we see though, it didn't take much as far as like monetary incentives for Detmer to try to take on or facilitate something that would line his pockets that went went against the paladins. And again, and once the party got back to Drakal, we saw the consequences of Detmer. Trying to trying to facilitate something like that of his immediate removal from his position in Drakal and shift off to who knows where. Paladins move in. Sally's at the Tickly Servants, etc. Right? Oh, Sally! I forgot about Sally. Someone is asking Leland, "Have you considered that many of your NPCs are a holes?" <laughs> they do seem like they most of them are, aren't they? Or is it that we are the a holes in dealing with our party of a holes? Could be Halsa, and actually Kula. I wouldn't say was a holes. Um, what was Kula's buddy's name? He was an a-hole. Igna. Oh, the he, one you killed. Igna. Igna, Igna got yeah. bored and he deserved it, damn it. <laughs> got bored real bad. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah, Mia trying to flirt on the... Oh, my gosh. So much happened. <laughs> I <just> love this. <laughs> oh, that was too Turns good. Turns out when you play for four years, a lot, a lot happens. of shit a lot happens. happens. Yeah, a yeah. lot happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How, long, how long was the game? Like, like at game time, yeah. Re- actual life. world time. Oh, um, boy, a couple Aspara months, time. maybe. Yeah, maybe a couple months. Like <laughs> In two months, we got to level 12. Dang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty good. We, pretty we definitely didn't take long. We didn't take long. Yeah, how many uh, long rests did we have, too? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't take long breaks or, you know. As small of a world as it is, we didn't see most of it. No. As, as someone who's currently making the map back here. Of the uh, world of Aspara, we never went to Florida. We never went to your hometown. We never went to Altenchik. There uh, was an Opium Silva. We've never went most of the southern part of the map. We never went into other than popping into Samuel's place for a little while and allegedly some havoc. Allegedly, oh. right? <laughs> the doppelgangers were fun. We to did. Play. <laughs> I'm waiting for Shakara to find that Palaboys on. Uh, <laughs> Grimby's ship on the rise of Grimby's Grimby's mattress. Leland <laughs> yeah, was saying um, it was about two months. Is that what you're? Yeah, I probably like two to three, maybe. I mean, at some point, I just like it's hard to keep track because I I did try to keep a day tracker in the early parts of the campaign, but I don't know, things just kind of spiral and. You, you get backed up on it, and then you're so far behind, you're like, how do I even catch up on this tracker? Um, yeah. So that definitely is something that I need to be better about when we go into campaign two. So there's lots of things that I definitely learned as as the Dungeon Master, uh, things that I can 
do better that may or may not come out in play, but like for just for on my side, for the things that I see will turn out, will be better and just give myself better tools essentially to run the game. Yeah. And like we said, we're going to try and do better about taking notes ourselves and maybe we won't miss as many of Leland's hints and insinuations. We're aiming to be a party that tells each other stuff. I think. Yeah. We're going to try and actually like each other, share some info and uh, cooperate. And where's the fun in that? I don't know if we can do it. (laughs) (laughs) We've had four and a half years of not doing it. (laughs) We have lots of questions coming in, but I also want to know more secrets, too. So we just don't want to forget these questions. Well, go, go with the questions. Emily, you wrote one down so we don't forget. The difficulty of having the guest NPCs on there and was it worth it? And um, I think it's just a scheduling issue. It's like you were saying once point in time, Leland, you never really know where we're going to be when the guest NPC joins us and just planning uh, at what point in time they're going to, like with their schedule and our schedule and everything, it was really difficult to guide the story to an appropriate place. I'm saying I'm glad we did it, but I think it made, uh, it's sort of like this little offshoot of the story. It's almost like it was sort of shoehorned in in a way. Side quest or, yeah. I think great things came from it. There's some great memories, you know, oaring people and you know all the different things that happened but i don't i think it sort of is like a it's like a forking path for a little while before we go back to the main campaign hmm i agree that i'm glad we did them uh yes it was a struggle kind of figuring out what information to give them because i had i mean yes like emily said really not knowing where we're gonna be as far as our last recording which obviously isn't our last episode that released right because we always have more recorded than what's potentially what's getting released so that was a struggle but also kind of kind of figuring out just how much to give them because it's not really fair to rely on them and, and put that responsibility on a guest shoulders to be the driving point of whatever time they spend on right so I, tr- I I I think we did a, a fine job. I think all of our guests. I mean, we've all enjoyed having our guests. They were they were great. Um, but I, I I will say though, I don't think we really veered too much away from what was currently going on with the guests, and definitely nothing detracted. And so I think overall it was it was just fun to do. It was fun to have them on. I think we've talked before. If we're gonna have guests on in the future, it would be probably best for everybody, including the guests, uh, as far as having fun. To have them on for like a one shot, a guest one shot yeah. kind of thing, mm, right? Yeah. Right. Rather yeah. than insert them into the main campaign, like then I mean the thing comes like like heck, like uh, or a character that you really like. I mean like roll and write, like they don't they can't yeah. become recurring. <laughs> they can't recur, even though they're right, they're they're right. so so you have to give them enough where I mean Keck could. <laughs> well, I mean, you, have, you could share a mic in a little office together. And any of them could, you know what I mean? But like, <laughs> there's less flexibility for them to recur. So you have to give them enough information. It all has to happen in this bubble, which when we're recording normally, we don't have to worry about that. Now, maybe, maybe this campaign would have been 100 episodes shorter if we had worried about recording and doing things in a little bubble. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> just saying, I don't know, just put it out there. <laughs> uh, and then we got a um, question about. The Dark Folk. So I think the, like the, the, darklings. the Darklings. The Darklings, yeah. Yeah, so what are your thoughts about their political and ecological niche in Aspara? So let's let's get some secrets on the Darklings and their role in this. Uh... Yeah, 
I think the Darklings were were cool. Um, I don't think, as a people, they weren't very well thought out uh, on my part. Did you make them up, or are they from one of the books? No, they're in they're in like Volo's Guide to Monsters. I okay. think they were introduced very early, right? They, you know, Hank Applebee's that fight, and yes, you're yeah, you're right. They've, I mean, they've they're underneath Aspara. Yeah, that was like episode thirteen or some thirteen fourteen where you had the party met the Darklings. Yeah. People were KO'd yeah. and getting carried by them. It was just like, So yeah. they were always an agent of Hannah's machinations. That was kind of from the outset. Hannah, I, Hannah always was going to be a Lamia. She definitely was not. She started out as being what she was. She turned out to play a different, kind of a different role than what might have happened. But really the Darklings, I mean, they're, the, whole, the whole thing about the Darklings is they they enjoy fine art. Like that's the, that's kind of, the culture of, of, of pieces like that is what they kind of latch onto and glom onto. And then they kind of also have the, the sunlight sensitivity, which can literally just kill them if they're exposed to much, too much of it. Right. Which I tried to like merge the two in and show them incorporated. And obviously <laughs> born out of, born out of that kind of culture, Jolvi was made you know it just made sense of course they're gonna have a bar barn jams yeah, yeah. <laughs> so was jolvi always like there's always a jolvi was that from the very I beginning or did that just no, come no, no 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 that that's, was, on, that's on the fly i just i was like okay they're going to a theater of course we gotta do a phantom of the opera type thing it's that's gonna great. be another jolvi like that just fell into my lap <laughs> <laughs> that theater fight was interesting because i didn't I felt really targeted and I didn't know why. And it totally makes sense now knowing Hannah had a bounty on me. Like I just. So the whole Hannah, the whole Hannah thing. Yes. Hannah had basically a bounty. She wanted Mia back to Dracol because Hannah had a deal with the Neogi, which is also another reason why kind of the Neogi weren't deep seated in Dracol. I mean, it's the closest city to the mountains. Like why wouldn't they be there? So Hannah and by extension, the Darklings had this deal where people were getting abducted and they were filtering thralls to the Neogi, which the party almost became one in, in the back of that wagon that would have taken them <laughs> into the mountains, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of what kept Drakal safe-ish from the Neogi. And eventually the, you know, the, the kind of people ran out and Hannah was kind of forced to give the Neogi the Darklings. And and that obviously happened when the party was away from the city. The, so that Neogi that Mia first met in her introductory episode at that crash Neogi ship, and you let him live, he had the deal with Hannah. He wanted you as a thrall because you're so powerful. And that's where the bounty came from. And that was using uh. Hannah as an agent to get Mia back to Drukal so she could be handed to the Neogi. So it happened huh. that Braun was in the city and he he's a Brightwood. What better thing to bring Mia back to the city than her captured brother kind yeah. of thing, right? So that's right. how that yeah, all that's unfolded great. and how that was kind of connected. Which, yeah, so again, like at the theater, Hannah still wanted you. Hannah still wanted Mia, right? Because she needed to hold up her end to the Yogi. Otherwise, everything she'd enjoyed, her station in the city is, is you know, in peril. It, it, is, there's a danger to it. So that was her huh. motivations for that. Interesting. And that was just like a random choice in the moment. I was like... Okay, I guess I'll just let this guy go. Promise to keep my family safe and uh, spirals into... Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I wow. hope it's clear through the campaign as you're listening that, you know, the choices that you players make end up being impactful. 
right? I mean, if you had killed him, maybe that might not have happened with Hannah, right? More secrets. Very interesting. There's not many, like, secrets. But like John said, there's a lot of the continent of Asparta that you just, we just didn't see. I mean, all of the Phalaren Forest, Thuff's Mountain, right? Where Thuff came from. Oh, the gold. <laughs> the elevator. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we got a little bit in there, yeah. <laughs> Our very first NPC guest. What is that? Session 17 and 18 in, into the Hillier yeah. part one and two yeah. with Patrick. Hillier. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we almost all died on the elevator. Yeah, we almost did. <laughs> yes. You got a taste of it, right? You got a taste of it. But even like the Niogi cave system, if things had played out differently, the party may have spent way more time in the mountains, just them. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like there's a almost like there's a point of convergence you can kind of roll back to. And really, it's like the decision to prioritize the tower drop or not. I feel like is the first forking path that set the party on their their trajectory. So had had the party at the time maybe wanted to make the tower job a priority, uh, which we were pretty close to doing. I mean, we kind of got sidetracked, I think, by the coven stuff, right? By dealing with Erica was really what yeah. sidetracked everybody. Yeah. But, you know, once Thuft had joined up with King Gozer and maybe you had went back into the mountain... Uh, there was a there's a hob hobgoblin general in there that you know commands the goblinoid forces, and he had an interest in whatever artifacts are powering these towers. Clearly, they had some kind of power, and there was a, another post credit scene of that army marching towards the tower, past Victor towards those towers. Now there would maybe have been opportunities for the party to team up with that hobgoblin general, right? As if Thuff took you back to the mountains, kind of mm -hmm. thing. And with their aid, you could have had a whole goblinoid army at your back assaulting these towers, right? And figuring out, oh, the blue light is incredibly detrimental to us, right? So that could have spiraled. And had that stuff happened... We never really tested it. We just knew it was bad. Right. <laughs> like we just Had that stuff happened, you would have obviously been an enemy of the Paladins of Cultus, which yeah. potentially could have driven you to the Phalaren Forest, uh, where you for sure would have found allies against the paladins there so you might have met you know a faction or, or a groups of people there that again would be willing to help you maybe go down to that southern part of aspara where the paladins completely control so there's just so much stuff that could have would have should have right and yeah. these are just this is just how the story unfolded with the decisions that that the party was making Really interesting. Yeah. Could have been so different. Tell us about, I want to hear stuff, uh, Shaft's backstory. Let's get some backshaft. What happened in the mountains? But you can go back and listen to that. Oh, like the <laughs> listener knows? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, yeah. It was a great job by the DM. So much, so much uh, thinking on your feet and going with the moments. And uh, I think you did a really great job with that, Leland. Falzerin's death was all spare of the woman, pretty sure. We've talked about another after party, so like you just yep, whew, can't believe it. Not planned by me, right? I mean, obviously, I knew Thuff the Younger, Thuff the Younger was was going to be there in the vicinity. I knew what I knew what role Thuff the Younger played because I mean, you had seen him. He was the goblin at, sponsored at the NPC. cave that you know you wall of force when you ambushed the Niogi forces there with uh, Horik. Uh, sorry, with Clash and Horik and some of his forces. Um, the Clashers, I think we called them. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and obviously thought the Younger was um, a patron NPC creation uh, by Skyom. So, yeah, I don't know. It just all kind of like, again, it's just like, 
I really feel like I'm not doing anything. It just falls into my lap. It's just, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just luck. Falzerin's broom. What's his, uh, Denny? Denny. Denny. How game-breaking was Denny? <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I mean, not, not much. Um, I do kind of wish we got to do a little more with with Denny, maybe. I don't know. That was, again, another Patreon SBC creation uh, by Brit. Denny was great. Denny's just fun. And, of course, what better thing to give Falzerin than a flying broom? I mean, <laughs> yeah. And even the animated tattoos were, were uh, inspired, I never right? got to use mine. I, I got to use mine in one that you guys didn't get to listen to. I got to use uh, Barry number two. Your badger, yeah. I will, I, I will be going back to listen now after all these yeah. secrets are coming out. <laughs> I was always a little bit weary of using Denny too much. Like, fall damage is a real thing, man. So yes. You could be casting Featherfall and hopping on him. Like, that's easy. Uh, Falchion doesn't have Featherfall. Oh, right. You, like, have to learn spells compared to my cleric list. Okay. That was always in the back of my mind anytime I used Denny. Like, uh, I was very cautious of not getting carried away. <laughs> Do you feel like making your backup spell book and all this stuff was just like you were overly nervous about it? Like, if you were to play another wizard, would you be making a backup spell book? Or scribbling scrolls? Like, you never even sold any of them. Fairly early on, I, I decided to uh, transition from like creating scrolls to sell them to focusing all of my time on my backup spell book. So that's why I didn't sell any scrolls because I didn't really make any. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, can you imagine a wizard losing their one and only spell book? <laughs> that's like, that's pretty bad. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I think like something like the spell book, it's, it's, I, I find that in my opinion, that's how a lot of equipment kind of falls into it doesn't matter until it matters. And until like I want to do something like take your spell book. Like when you when Falsey got abducted by the five toed toad and taken to Isabella, like <laughs> she had your spell book, right? I mean, you ultimately you did ultimately get it back and it it didn't really impact things, but like you got it back with an extra spell because you got your scabulet and that kind of stuff. So like it doesn't matter till it matters. You know what I mean? What was Izzy's deal with that scabulet? And was it two-way? Could she listen in on what we were saying? Could she hear saying? us? <laughs> was it like question. a walkie-talkie? Yes. Please. Yes, that's that's important. Uh, it definitely was two-way. <laughs> ah, I knew it. So she she could hear everything we were yeah. saying. Damn, Cold falls in megaphone. No way. <laughs> we talked about so much stuff in front of her. And then we were like, she probably, uh, yeah. Oh, oh I shouldn't be surprised, but I am. <laughs> Leland, diabolical, just die. So you you knew I left, and that's how you like knew to go take him when I left. When Bryn left, he didn't have the scabulet yet. Didn't oh, that's pre scabulet. Okay, that was pre scabulet. Yeah, that was pre scabulet. So, but so again, when you're your solo session, you might have been with Falzerin, right? We've talked about that before. If you were with him, he might not have been abducted. You might have been able to stop it. But you all chose the rooms you chose. You divvied up the rooms the way you did it. Mm -hmm. um, each, you know, there was be something going to each room to uh, put an obstacle in front of, you know, each party member to to attempt to get Falzern abducted. Um, if you had stopped it, I mean, you would have stopped it. Like, it's not, I wouldn't have made it happen just to make it happen, right? Uh, again, it was just a, a, as a result of choices, choices, choices and consequences. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> uh, I don't think it was a mistake, Chat's asking. Uh, I don't think it was a mistake to let Thuff the Younger raise Falsey because 
You mean Krillikin. Or not Krillikin. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because, I okay. mean, it was it was a role. Like, it was a role. Uh, and the role was achieved. So, you know, if it didn't happen, it didn't happen. He's a good emissary. <laughs> <laughs> is Falsy any good at swimming? <laughs> Could you remind us? I was asking about our next campaign. Is there interest in playing in Aspara? Well, we already know we're not playing in Aspara. Yes, we do have... uh, I don't know how much we want to spoil. Maybe not very much, but... There are fairly concrete plans for our next next, um, campaign already. And it won't be in Aspara. No, no. And it's going to be a totally different group of people. Stay tuned. Well, I'm still going to be playing... And I think you're going to be, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You mean Bill? Yeah. Bill's still playing. Still playing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Are you going to be really, really good at holding your breath? Cause someone in chat's reminding us that you're really good at swimming. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was pretty good Maybe. joke for a while. Maybe. Oh, man. <laughs> so c- campaign two, we discussed, um, that we want to, ha- I mean, again, as John mentioned, like Aspara is a very small place, but we're going to try something a little different and have our comp- campaign pretty well contains to like a lar- uh, like a major city like something a la like water deep water deep size ish city right where there's a lot of things going on there's a lot of spaces that t- to be explored uh there's gonna be a lot of different different like types of factions and, and we're gonna have a faction standing all of which uh are we're slowly kind of fleshing out but we're we're yeah, we're just to try to do something that maybe feel a little a little different. Still be focused on role play as as we usually are. And also maybe have more like downtime moments and opportunity for the players to have projects going on or or you know, more time will pass in campaign two. Um so it's gonna be different. It's gonna it be, be two months. It, it'll be longer. It's not gonna be just like a two month <laughs> campaign. It's gonna be the same, but it's gonna be different. I think we're all really excited. I know we've we've been talking about our new characters and, like we said, how well they're going to flesh together, hopefully, and then whether or not they're going to actual actually cooperate <laughs> with each other. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's suggesting Shaft the Younger, you know. Just <laughs> throwing it out there. <laughs> uh, and, and Camping 2 will still be 5th uh, edition. We are playing D&D. Paranoia, eventually, we'll do that again. There's a lot of other games I think we oh, want to Oh, so goofy. Out. But even yeah. The Forgotten Hive, like, if you guys have been caught up, uh, the episodes are hilarious. The monsters, not necessary. Rivers are good enough. <laughs> <laughs> and Emily just just let us take care of our own selves there. Just like, I don't even know. We make anything seem almost like paranoia, I feel like. <laughs> Uh, I got a question, Leland. Is Nina alive or dead? <laughs> I I gotta know because Shaft spends the rest of his life with her. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as as Shaft and Nia, uh, Nina take their their voyage to to Diamond Head, like slowly her her she begins to get more color back. You know, the the stitches around her limbs and stuff uh, they heal into scar tissue as the stitches fall out and. She she does regain her her humanity and does is not in fact undead but is truly alive. <laughs> so what happened to her from the from the time in Victor where Shaft was there and she was sort of insane, right? Yeah, due to mind. Jessica's effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To the 
time when he saw her again at the very end, what happened? Well, very, very shortly after the party left Fixture, Nina's soul was harvested by Jessica and put into an iron cobra. I mean, it's as simple as that. And then the body's discarded. So there, there is an after credit scene where uh, shortly after Sardo the Revenant is defeated for the first time, where his soul goes into the second body he was in, which happens to be in where they stored all the discarded bodies in Victor. You know, the soul inhabited one of those corpses. So that, of course, would be, you know, where they just discarded Nina to, uh, et cetera. So, yeah, essentially, I mean, she just, her soul was harvested and used as a battery, basically. <laughs> okay. That's what we were hoping for. <laughs> She's alive! And, and, I mean, if you, uh, if you recall in what was oh what was the episode 31 32 maybe 33 probably more like when we had uh jt and ada on for as our guest npcs they spoke of being at the tower and hearing an iron cobra speak about tobias nice. and use it to buy, yeah mm, so yes yeah it's been yeah, oh, it's all wow. it's all been in there <laughs> wow okay <laughs> the name tobias meant nothing to me Bias Forge. I'm excited to be a character that knows stuff next campaign, okay? Mia was in the dark a lot. <laughs> well, Mia also spilled her guts every chance she got, hey. too. There's yeah, a reason Mia was in the dark. from you on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, that's Mia being Mia, all right? Exactly, which is why but she didn't right. know anything. <laughs> Yeah, it is funny. Like, I I really enjoyed the party dynamic throughout the campaign, right? Even as we, you know, lost some characters and gained some others. But yeah, I think I will say, like, the type of character that Shaft is definitely, like, hinders play in a, in a lot of ways. I just, it's, I mean, the very, fir- the immediate first example of that that I get was when the party was on their way to Goldham. And Shaft, oh, I, feel, I gotta sit down for a little bit. I don't feel real good. And the rest of the party is fighting the Ankegs in the rubble around Goldham. And Shaft uses his eye of scrying on Isabella. Sees Isabella in her true hag form. Sees her creating the five-toed toad that ultimately gets sent. Doesn't tell us. To, to Goldham and, and abducts yep. Faldron. <laughs> Keeps it all to himself. Look, Shaft learned on Saturday morning cartoons that knowledge is power. <laughs> <laughs> well... Honestly, I don't know what Shaft would have made about it. Like, how do you make heads or tails of what he's seeing, right? Yeah, well, true. But knowing that she's more powerful or a different person than she lets on would have been helpful. Yeah. Well, you discover that pretty quickly once Falsy gets abducted. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Chad's asking me if Mia's honesty was good role-playing or me just being me. I would like to say I believe it's role-playing because... Bryn was basically based You'd off like of me. To say that. I would like to say that. I think I lean to toward being a truthful person in real life and not deceiving, but playing Bryn was more like playing myself. Like what would Elena do? Just being just not really having to role play, just being myself. And I think Bill got more into being able to role play Falzrin as a character instead of just being himself. I, I didn't really get there with Bryn, I was working towards it. We are going to go into Druid and things like that. But So if Falzerin had died, died, and Thuff the Younger had not resurrected him, what would have been the plan moving forward? Would Falzerin have taken over an NPC, or would we have 
created a whole new character for that final bit. I mean, maybe he would have would have let Bill make a new character. Um, the origin of that character probably would have been influenced by your current surroundings, right? Um, but like I said, like it, it wouldn't have restricted in whatever type of character Bill might have wanted to build or play. They just would have adjusted it and maybe we, you know, maybe an explanation why they're there or how they join up might feel a little thin, especially that far into the campaign, but... So, like, Falzerin's twin, long-lost twin brother. Yeah, Balzerin. It's also a wizard. Oh, Paul, <laughs> Paul Zarin. Oh, of course, it's Paul Zarin. Yeah. Paul Zarin. <laughs> Paul Zarin. I honestly thought about that with the fight with Kay, because I was, like, basically willing to end Mia's story there if it had to. And um, same sentiment as Shikara with Izzy and all that fight. I was totally okay with if Mia died there as well. Like, just... I think that's what she would have done. So... I just figured at that point I could RP as like one of the paladins or, you know, whatever. So Chad asks, how how exactly did uh, Shaft's brother Danzig get mixed up with Izzy's oh, crew? Well, yes. it, it actually wasn't Isabella's crew, but Danzig was involved with the cult of Kralakina. With Erica. Yeah, yeah which which was tied to, to Erica as well. But I don't know, maybe John, you can fill in like what, why would Danzig be drawn to something like that? Because we definitely had a backshaft. We had a backshaft in the Vorgrag Mountains yeah. where Danzig and Sybil uh, went through this this like blood portal to the elemental plane of water, exactly. And then from there, they kind he of... He was the bad brother, yeah, right? right? He was oh, the yeah. one that was sort of outcast from the family. And I was trying... Horik and I were trying to sort of... Uh, bring him back around. He was... Yeah, he was the black sheep of the family kind of thing. And I think... I don't know. It was. It, it might have been in the back shaft, or at least maybe it was something I wrote, where we were trying to go up, and that was one of the things we were going to try up and, and go up and save him and yeah. keep him from Even getting Hork. into the dark. Or yeah, Horik and I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how he got mixed up with that. He was he uh, uh, read some books and and wanted the, the power to stand out within the family. You know. Make something out of himself. Well, also like Sybil, Sybil's influence too, right? So because Danzig was oh, meant yeah, yeah. to be the uh, the what did I call it? The matron's vessel, I think. Like the sacrifice. Kralakina's wife yeah. vessel. Like he was to be turned into the vessel for for Kralakina's wife. One of my favorite scenes was was there at the end when Shaft ran up and he said, "Save me!" and then he disappeared, right? Because you know the redemption. You know you gotta. I gotta save my brother. That was more important than, even though he was, uh, you know, causing problems. He was like pickled and stinky. I love it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, he finally got buried at the end. Yeah. We didn't leave him at the in Zexa. <laughs> <laughs> so good. What happened to the Tritons? Did didn't we ask them for help <laughs> yeah. at some point? We never like heard. No, uh, I mean honestly, once he dealt with Grey Lakeen, it was. Uh, Slava gave Falzerin a uh, sending stone, and that was the last you ever interacted with Sending him. stone never used. All right. Something I kind of want for the next campaign, a sending, sending stone. Stones, yes. yes. <laughs> Precious spell slots. <laughs> uh, the whole logic of, like, I'm not going to send this to Shaft because he won't reply much. I'm going to send this to Shikara, and then Who she doesn't, doesn't say reply. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> I mean, my my favorite, like, sending spell hesitancy, uh, the SPH, was in Heracleon when you were separated from Grimby after the safety shell went up, and you just didn't know what or where he was. And there's so much humming and hawing about 
sending Grim via sending spell. <laughs> just... I know. <laughs> XOXO. <laughs> Bill, a uh, question for you from chat. What is the biggest part of Falsey's background that you, we never got introduced to? I think, I don't know that it needed to happen. I'm fine that it didn't, but... That he can hold his breath for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there could have been more time spent focusing could on that it. and really fleshing yeah. that out. But, you know, he but can only how fit you so got much in, in all that information about how you could swim fast. Right. I mean, there's only so much yeah. time. Yeah, so part of part of how he ended up on Heracleon, he was actually born on the mainland. I, I don't know if we touched on this at all, or maybe only briefly, but... So uh, he was born to a family on the mainland, and then there was a shipwreck. Disaster struck, and um, his family perished, but he survived. Oh, we did go over it, yeah, because that's how he knows the Tritons. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so we did touch on it a little bit, I guess. Yeah, yeah, like, ultimately, that's why, that's where your relationship with Slava was formed. Um, obviously, that shipwreck caused by the infinite storm. <clears throat> but, uh, so Slava, you know, found you and, and got you to Heraklion, basically, right? Right. And you were you were imparted, through that kind of interaction, imparted with a bit of uh tritonness <laughs> which has allowed you you know you had the swim speed and the holding the breath the big cetera, feet yeah. Yeah. yeah who raised you on her how how old were you when this happened and who raised you on her i would have been like adolescent age like maybe starting to get into my teens like fairly young in between like the he raised himself 10 and 15 the hard knocks of the evocation district <laughs> literally hard because of the stone yes but yeah I, there's I didn't have anything all that more um, meaningful or in-depth about Falzern's backstory that I guess didn't come out. That was the main thing, was how he ended up being uh, transitioning from being born on the mainland and then making his way to Heracleon, where he was raised by wizards, basically, um, having been orphaned, essentially, and, and rescued by the Tritons. So, yeah, no, I think... I think Falzern's backstory had enough come through. I didn't really have much more than that, to be honest. <laughs> Did we think this would take four and a half years? No. <laughs> no. 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 Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. We started pre-COVID, right? And then, I don't know. COVID feels like a blur That's of probably years. why it feels a lot longer than it was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not upset at how long it took. Other than there was just so much that happened, and towards the end, it was hard to remember everything because right. of previously stated lack of notes. It was, I was ready for it to end, but also not ready for it to end. Agreed. We are getting pretty powerful. That's difficult to plan for. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else how to say that. We were having fun, but it was, I think... So many threads were out there that as it started to come together and you started to get some finality to it, that it felt right that it was, we were getting to that point where we knew we were going to, it was time to, to wrap it all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I definitely, like I said in the recording, I cried at the end and then I listened to it again back and I cried and then I listened to it again just before we recorded this and I cried. <laughs> So I mean, I like I've I think we've said many times before when you play role playing games, you envision stuff in your mind. You think about it mm-hmm. being a place. You you have memories like vacations, right? 
that you've taken in real life. Mind and vacations. My, yeah, so the, it's <laughs> knowing that it's done is is uh, sort of heartbreaking. See, in I way. think I was legit depressed for like a week after we recorded the finale. Yeah, like I was down for a week or two after. Y- yeah. And yeah. I don't even know how to describe it. It was just like lethargic and I'm like, I didn't really want to do anything. Uh, yeah, it was... It was a strange uh, experience, honestly. Like, almost like you're mourning something. Yes, exactly. Yeah, right. You're grieving exactly. the loss of these, like, characters you're attached to. And yes. This world that we've created together. And I don't know that I cried or felt depressed or anything. I teared up, for sure, when Leland was, like... Th- like, the speech he gives at the end, just, I teared up. Emily was tearing up, which made me tear. Like... <laughs> Stuff all over again. I was very happy with how my character wrapped up, and I will forever remember these two characters. But Mia, I'm very attached to Mia, so very happy at how things ended, which helps. Bill? Man of um, many words. <laughs> There, he's too he's too emotional this to is, speak. Sorry, sorry for the live audience. This is the pauses we usually edit I'm choked out. Up. <laughs> I'm very choked up. Are you referring to a question in chat for me? Or I just wanted to hear your opinion on wrapping up your first character oh, and campaign. Okay. I was to be honest, I was a bit distracted by thinking about the question from chat, which is a bit of a tangent, but I uh, will edit it out. <laughs> we um spent four and a half years on my very first campaign i mean it's it's good and bad i guess because like i absolutely loved the experience but um obviously that's not realistic to expect other campaigns to last four and a half years and i guess it's it's not a bad thing but i like there's a ton of depth that went into this world and it became more and more and more believable the more time you spend in it Mm-hmm. That's like that's hard to that's hard to replicate for sure. No pressure, Leland. <laughs> I don't think you. Ooh. I don't think you need to do it to. all, but in a city. <laughs> I don't think you need to, right? Like, there's there's benefits to having a long campaign. There's also cons and vice versa. There's benefits to doing something that's shorter, as well. Yeah, and those and those pros and cons are both. You got to look at it as. Us playing a game and then us being a podcast too, obviously. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like we're we're not planning campaign two to take four and a half years to be completed, right? Uh, we're 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 purposefully trying not. Yeah. To <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. Maybe that that is in in the way that I need to prepare the campaign. Just might be something that. Is really on my shoulders to 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 you know mitigate or mediate, but I don't know. Like you say, like it feels nice when there's a lot of shit going on and you have choices, and that's the agency is with the players to figure out what and where they want to go and do in what order. And I don't want to put up any roadblocks in that aspect, just to service of making something fifty episodes instead of seventy, right? Like. Right. So that's not like that's not gonna happen. An exact number is not the way to do it. I don't think. No, no. I mean, we're gonna. It's gonna be different. I think it's gonna feel different, but it's gonna feel the same because obviously it's the five of us. I mean, we we all have. Yeah. We all have. You know, our our kind of role play tendencies. Obviously, I have uh, as somebody that you know prepares the story and 
some of the plot points. I have, you know, my own tropes that I'm going to try not to fall into and try not to reiterate things that maybe we did way early in the campaign that could have been done better. Maybe You know what I mean? Like, will there be a Blake Lakely-esque character? Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, Blake Lakely will show Of course, Blake Lakely will show up in some capacity. Yeah, so Blake Lakely. There's always a Blake Lakely. There's always a Blake Lakely. <laughs> But maybe you'll like this one. Maybe you'll like this version. Where there's a Blake, there's a Lakely. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, 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 Izzy. No, Izzy. No. No, Lizzie. Izzy. Lizabella. Lizzie. Lizzie. A Sizzy. No. Lizabella Bad. Maybe there could be a cat named Isabella. You That's fine. You can't redo Isabella. Isabella is herself and she's got to stay. I do. I do enjoy the thought of returning to aspara at some point um i know like forever ago john kind of uh suggested like a a pre-campaign one aspara kind of thing um which might be interesting might not i don't know like 30 years prior a prequel right when we go do our live shows We'll do a one-shot set in Aspara. Oh, that's with right. With our yeah, Aspara yeah. characters. <laughs> We're doing live shows? I fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> let's, um, let's hammer out some of these last few questions, and then we can kind of wrap this up. From chat. So, Falls are in, uh, Bill. Wow. I Okay, in campaign two, I'm going to be calling each of you by your Aspara characters a lot, I think. But, Bill, is there any is there any spell that you regret not taking for Falls that's a hard one. Um, I was always tempted by the fly spell, but I mean, I had Denny, so I didn't really need that spell. I mean, teleport, teleport is also very nice. cool. I had Dimension Door. Really, yeah, you didn't use Dimension Door, so maybe you would have used teleport. Well, teleport's a seventh level spell. Yeah, yeah, I, oh. I didn't make it to being able to get teleport, but it's that would be a very cool one. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm pretty happy. I spent a fair bit of time actually. Every time it was time for Falzern to level up, I did a fair bit of reading. So, I think I'm glad with what I picked. I I think Gravity Sinkhole is a sweet spell. Yes. <laughs> well, it, it did do a little bit of damage to, to Shaft. <laughs> to Shaft, yeah. <laughs> uh, Emily again from chat. I never saw Shakara's romance with Grimby coming and never understood her odd cult family. Would you explain that a bit and what it means to you? Uh, so the Shakara Grimby romance, I don't even remember how that started. Um, but I think she just was attracted to his ruggedness and the little bit of a dark <laughs> side to him. Mm-hmm. I think I think they're kind of like, especially once she um, started down the path of Warlock, they were really just very similar, I believe. Uh, do you agree with that, Leland? They're kind of like, just had the same mentality. Uh, yeah. Grimby definitely had an edge, um, because like in chapter two, no, chapter one. Wow. Uh, no, chapter two, chapter two, like, and when, when the rising two went down, when they got attacked by Sybil and the drowned, right. And the cult of Kalakina, like shell ship that ultimately became rising three, in the Hall of Rising 2 were barrels of phlogiston being transported, right? So, like, on behalf of the Paladins of Cultus. So, yeah, Grimby definitely isn't, like, a cut-and-dry, like, you know, goody-goody, like, OG Shikara was. So I can I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, it's uh, more Shades of Grey in... Um, 50? Mm, not well. Anyway, the whole uh, 
cult family thing, I think, was Shakara's way of dealing with being in the cult. She she didn't want to admit to herself how towards the dark side she had gone. So instead of saying cult, it was her family. And that was her way of making it right in her brain and, in, and in, for her, in her mind. So it's just the people that she wanted close to her, like her friend Campbell. Hulsa basically asked to join her family because Hulsa wanted to be, that's what Hulsa needed, was to be part of family. So Shakara happily welcomed her in and took her to be her sister. And it was just Shakara not admitting what the true situation was, I think. What if I joined your family? I <laughs> offered you, I you denied many times. So, like towards the end, like you weren't, it was uh, you weren't even going to be a part of the family because you had already said no. But if, if Falzerin had said, like, fault, there was, Shakara would have uh, accepted Falzerin into the family. And not Shaft because he said it was a cult. <laughs> she didn't like it. It didn't really work with my story, but yeah, no, no, it didn't. If I wanted to be chaotic, <laughs> just be like. Eh. I want flowing hair. I liked the I liked the family aspect of it because I mean it it really did make sense. I mean, if you think of Shakara, originally she left everything she knew behind her. She left her family to go about accomplishing her 15 great deeds. And where while the great deeds became less important, I don't I don't think Shakara ever really gave up on be like doing good you know in in any area like i don't that i don't believe that ever left the window you know as as far to the dark side that shakara may have leaned i don't think that it was ever completely abolished i don't the good was never completely abolished clearly right obviously and she was was able to sway back to to the kind of the heroic side of it and making making the the right choice for aspara and and ultimately for herself and the party right so that's why I like I enjoyed the family aspect. And I think that's why it was appealing to many of the NPCs. Now, you could say, if you wanted to be a little antagonistic about it, that Shakara was a little predatory in the NPCs that she chose to offer uh, a spot in the family, perhaps. Uh, Only in maybe, one. In maybe their moments, their downest moments. Only one. Well, Just I mean. Drag. Well, drag. Halsa but... <laughs> asked. Halsa asked. Campbell was there from the very beginning. Okay. Okay. So predatory. It was, I it that was, word. <laughs> when drag was low, she offered him a way up. Uh, offered him um, companionship and family. And vengeance. And the fact that he needed something and she took advantage of that that's that's a side thing he needed she was there to give him what he needed at that moment is your family an mlm or (laughs) (laughs) what What are they selling you work hard enough you can recruitment (laughs) process well no it's they're not selling they're recruiting so it's like if i recruit you you gotta recruit two friends Mm. yes john What part of your person shines through the most in Shaft? Oh. The manipulation. 
<laughs> says Whoa, his wife. Oh boy, I would say, <laughs> I would say, yeah. Shaft, Shaft likes to take in information and think Half about truths. it, and then use it to his uh, advantage. And I think I do the same thing in a way. I I don't always just blurt out stuff. I want to think about the information you get and then use it in a an intelligent way. Some call that manipulation. <laughs> I, I just call it wisdom. So, so part that aspect of Shaft is why, like he and Isabella would could never get along or be on the same page. Like really, because there, I think, I mean, obviously Isabella has plenty of those manipulative tendencies, but I don't see the two of them like really like working together even just temporarily for the better for the benefit of both of them achieving a singular goal like i just don't it doesn't mesh they'd both be trying to get the upper hand yeah, on each other yeah, yeah, all yeah. the time yeah, yeah. neither of them wants to be a bottom <laughs> <laughs> so another another thing uh when it comes to isabella that the party didn't really have an opportunity to uncover Again, which kind of harkens back to like how uh, under I don't want I don't know if underutilized is the correct term, but I'll use it. Underutilized Jessica was in the campaign. How some of your you know the lack of some interactions with with things around the coven uh, as a party, maybe less so with Shakara, but the the blank page in in the book, right, in in Alamar's um, family history and the tree, right. I mean, obviously, it was, it was Isabella that orchestrated the illusion of it, right? What? The very story about the member of Cultus wearing the armor and being the one that sealed away Dendar and Limic, fabricated by Isabella over the thousand of years that she can Lies? slow drip this and make it reality, essentially, as as a part of her long her long life, because obviously, it doesn't. How did Kalar get sealed? Kalar was wearing the armor when everything got sealed away, because. He had to have been because that's kind of how it worked, as you saw with Samuel wearing the armor, right? A lot of a lot of those things that are just happening to the, you know, it's obviously nothing that the party could have interacted with because it's already done, right? It's just part of this kind of unraveling of how everything goes together. Now, maybe if maybe if like a uh, there was kind of motive to pursue Kalar himself or who is like this is armor of Kalar, but. The cultist family, where like maybe if that was pursued, like there there would have been opportunity to kind of uncover more of that. But that's just kind of one another one of those things that just in the narrative and how how things went, it just wasn't something that the party could really have uncovered or or discovered about Isabella. Yeah, I mean it was just sort of a happenstance that we popped into Sammy's place and happened to find a secret door which had the stuff all in there. That gave us the information, right? It wasn't that wasn't some place we were traveling to. No. It was an it was an accident that we denied and still <laughs> I mean still potentially may not have ever been there. Using that portal system, uh that portal system was fun. I like almost <laughs> regretted there being it existing and giving the party access to it. Why wasn't there a portal to Drukal? In Drukal, yeah. Isabella Isabella had had no dealings in Drakal. There, Isabel had no connections to Drakal. The Coven had no connections to Drakal. But sh- didn't she hire Detmer? She hired Detmer through Blake Lakely. 
that's really the this tangential connection that Isabella has uh, to Drew Call. I mean, I suppose as far as Drew Call or as far as Isabella is concerned, Drew Call is a, just another place in a spa. Like she does, she cares about Heraklion as a as a place, right? I mean, there's very few like locations that are important to Isabella. I think um, her setting up in Zexa is more of a a benefit of the small town. She can very easily insert herself as being a major figure in it, which kind of allows her to wield some, you know, uh, a little bit of more of that, I don't know, I guess power or influence there just as a result of the way Zexa is kind of thing. But yeah, I guess she just really had no need to have it in, in Drukal. And also that would have been very convenient for the party once they gain access to mm-hmm. it. Maybe a little too mm-hmm. convenient. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't want yeah. her sitting your subway. She'd only up. been in Zexa for a few weeks, though. Uh, yeah, she hadn't been she hadn't been in Zexa for very long. So how long do those portals take to make? They're just magically okay. She has her process to to create them, right? And you saw Erica also Erica also trying to create her own as well, from the coral urn to under mm-hmm. the tainted lake, uh, yeah. which didn't go go very well. <laughs> uh, another trash question for me: Which NPC do I relate to? personally the most oh i don't i want to say that there's not much of myself in any of my NPCs, but obviously Grimby? that's a lie i'm i think it's grimby i do think it's grimby I, yeah <laughs> i don't know why um i guess i you know, you know i i he's described as being this like burly kind of jovial uh go with the flow kind of person uh, i i i guess i can be like that sometimes so yeah, I guess Grimby. So back to the earlier questions, like I I know from my side why Shakara liked Grimby. Why did Grimby like Shakara? Ooh, that that's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh what's what's very well she, yeah. You met her as a dragonborn. I I'm I think Grimby appreciates appreciated your like the strength that Shakara has and and shows like strength of character in addition to physical prowess obviously something that could be important to to Grimby but a lot of the interactions that Shakara had with Hulsa you know they're Hulsa and Grimby spent quite a bit of time together too right uh so it's kind of all into the I think it's really like the actions that that Shakara took as as you know evil quote-unquote that some of them may seem or irrational maybe some of them seem i think like you say with grimby having his kind of edge that he can kind of commiserate with a lot of the the choices you've made he's himself made similar choices that would not be seen as something that a person of good standing or good character may make so i think maybe it's more like a kind of like a kindredship that he saw in in shikara that makes sense but yeah that's uh i never really thought why would Grimby want to be with Shakara? Shakara really took care of him when he was feeble-minded and cared about him a lot. <laughs> Did he know that? <laughs> <laughs> There's so many things that you injure in RP that you kind of have to like... Like a child knows. Like hand wave. Yeah, like, <laughs> right? like a child knows that you know they're cared for, I suppose. Maybe something like that. He just came back to his wits about him and was like, I really feel like Shakar cares about me. <laughs> I just know. <laughs> I just know. Deep down in my peg leg. He's got all his legs. <laughs> He's got both his legs. Okay. Yeah. He's only missing a few fingers. That's it. 
All right, there's a good chance I'm going to pee my pants, so I think we need to wrap this up. <laughs> oh, yeah, you were entertaining during our break, Craig. <laughs> um, I, I will say uh, we have, yes, if the, uh, from the comment in chat about, you know, keeping one thing to change about the campaign, keeping uh, shorts, fights shorter and lighter. If you have any suggestions like that, Please send them to us. Like DM them to us in the Discord channel. Yeah. Send us a Twitter, uh, an X message. Feedback. Over whatever social media. Like, yes. Uh, like, if there's some some aspect that you maybe want to see enhanced a little more or something that uh, we could pull away from, we're absolutely pleased. We uh, very much appreciate the constructive criticism. And we're very grateful for it. And obviously grateful for our listeners and our patrons, everybody that participates in our in our Discord I mean, we wouldn't be doing it if it, if you didn't if you weren't there, right? Like, <laughs> well, I suggest more stats too. Bill, we'll talk. <laughs> you can find all our social media on incorrigibleparty.com. You can join our Discord and talk to us daily because we talk a lot. Because we chat. Um, Most of us. <laughs> yeah, I talk a lot on there. <laughs> yeah, we've like formed a little community, and it's been so great. So much of this campaign was changed by your suggestions, your inspiration, your your Patreon um, items. So again, thank you for supporting us in any way you can. Your your follows, your subs, your lurks, your two dollar inspirations, and let people know about the new campaign coming up. It'd be great to word. get people in fresh and new when we're starting the next one. And uh, it's a little daunting to tell somebody about. A four and a half year campaign, but uh, yes. starting a new one, you know, they might be uh, uh, willing to jump in and start from, from beginning with us. So a lot of people say they found us from word of mouth. So just tell people. Yeah. It really helps. It's always and cool I've to hear that. Heard some people say they don't want to listen to the end of this campaign because that would be it would be over then. But I think it's really worth it. I think that last episode was really good, really well done. Um, I'm really happy with the way it came out. And they wouldn't be hearing this because they wouldn't have heard that one. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> we have really cool stuff planned for campaign two, though. Like we've been in real life talking about it till three in the morning. We're so excited. About that is it true. We've hung yeah. out in real life, so we're very excited for campaign two. Lots of fun things. It's gonna be the best in. campaign yet. Be- the best yeah. three campaigns yet. <laughs> <laughs> and and we've heard you loud and clear that you like the after parties. So that's like like again, we really enjoy your feedback and uh, and use it. All right, take us out, John. Well, for the last time, I've been Shaft and John. I've been Emily and Shakara and Gozer. I'm Elena. I played Mia and Bryn. I've been Bill and Falzerin. And I'm Leland Steve. Happy adventuring. Happy adventuring. Happy adventuring. Happy adventuring. This has been a Sounds of Steel production. Uh, before you continue, the Lelander has been redeemed. Oh, good night. Take him off, baby. You both need a drink, too. John, hydrate. Oh, I'm sorry. You're you're watching Lelander's robe. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt that. <laughs> Lelander redeemed. Does, does anyone oh, care baby. if I step away for a rest, restroom break?
No, give her. It's the monster's fault. Um, if you're going to, I'm going to too. So. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, no, no secrets. Let's hold that back. thought as if we're yeah. really recording right, without take, being live. Let's take a quick uh, break. <laughs> Those staying, two. entertain the chat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, wait, I didn't agree to this. <laughs> wow. That's what, I've been drinking the most and I, I don't have to pee. <laughs> 